THC. No, <laughs> All <that> shit. <laughs> Bitch, I'm trying to tell you I don't fucking play. Put you in a choke, smoke a blunt, hoe, and be on my way. Hope you know the cases that I'm catching, I ain't gonna tell you twice. Hope you know I'm coming when I'm coming, I ain't nothing nice. And we're back, and a uh, special guest, no Quentin. I'll just put it out there before we even start, so people can turn it off. No, um, and this week we are the Hand Workers Rights, and I'm joined by. Oh, I should have asked you before we started. I'm joined by Evan. Yeah, I'll be soccer Evan. That's how I've been referred to soccer. on this podcast in the past. Yes, soccer Evan. Soccer Evan, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I used to be good at that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? do? Like the pre-show check-in. What do you want? Do you have any like a special? When I used it's, to do stand-up, it, oh, go ahead. It's an art, man. You know, it's yeah. it's not uh, it's not easy. Well, I used to do stand-up, right? And I would host shows and things. So you, of course, you got to get people's credits. What do you want for your credit? Do you have one of those? I always used to love the like road comics who would have stupid nicknames. Um, you know, like. Oh God, there was one that was particularly bad. She was like, you know, alcoholic cougar or something like that. That was her oh, whole Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God. that was, it was like something, it was like straight out of the 80s. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, Jesus. Like, you you started, sad. yeah, you started when, uh, you know, when the com- the stand-up comedy boom was going on, which I guess, you know, if you're a road dog for life and that's the career you want, like, go for it, I guess. I don't know. Um, Either way, like I said, no Quentin. Um, no, I guess I don't know how much preamble. How how excited are you about wrestling news, Evan? I don't know how much you stay abreast with all the ins and outs. Do you, are you uh, very upset about Matt Tremont being uh, fifteen years old? Has that been really getting at your goat? Um, no, no, it hasn't, Tim. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I I should you know let your audience know basically what I'm about. So uh, I, I'm part of the infamous uh, wrestling with words Slack chat um, that gets referenced frequently on this and other podcasts and. Uh, I got in there because I was going to do a whole big series on John Cena, who is my favorite wrestler ever, who uh, I got to see live on Friday nights. That was actually really exciting. It's the first WWE show I had watched in months. Um, the first hour and 40 minutes were terrible, but the last 20 minutes were awesome because John Cena was there. Um, so that was great. Um, and uh, the site shut down like a month after I joined, and I just kind of uh, just kind of kept on with the guys and like i didn't really know what i was talking about i was only a wwe fan at the time and uh everybody gave me a lot of shit uh your host especially um but I uh I, I i i caught on um i was uh my, roman reigns is my other guy and my heart was broken when uh vince screwed him over at wrestlemania the following year and i started to branch out into other stuff and uh the the promotion that really captured me was ddt uh it is still my favorite promotion to this day uh, I don't love everything they do. I didn't even really love this show that we're going to talk about today, but uh, I uh, I really, really enjoy the vibe of the promotion and generally what they're about. Um, so that's kind of my taste as a wrestling fan. I like comedy. I like a variety show. Uh, I like when a show is built to be a lot of different things and, and to kind of carry you through different sorts of emotions. Uh, I'm definitely more along the uh, the lines of, you know, enjoying uh, real fights as opposed to the more uh, dramatic uh, hammier stuff that you see predominantly out there today. So I haven't kept up with a ton of, uh, of, of modern wrestling, especially in the pandemic. Uh, the 
The Clap Crowd shows are tough for me, uh, but I've watched a ton of old wrestling. I, I went back and, and watched all of the Ring of Honor shows from 2002 to 2008. I'm currently going through uh, Baby's first All Japan run and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, trying to catch up and, and get to where some of these guys are. And some of you, li- if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen more wrestling than I have. But uh, I'll try to do my best and, and uh, lend my perspective. I don't know about that, man. These kids now, we get these kids. They're not all like Quentin. And I start to interact with them. I had I had one of them on the podcast. Look, but, you know, Quentin interact- was 40 years old when he was 10. So, yeah, exactly. That's not everybody scary. is Quentin. The scary thing about Quentin is that he's getting to the point now where he's the same age that I was when I met him. Right. And it's like, that's that's a weird feeling. Um, wow. Yeah. Thinking of how young he is or whatever. Um, but uh a lot of these kids online, they might listen to the podcast, they might follow us on Twitter, all this kind of stuff, but they're they they're into it and they're into like how all this stuff that you can find available now because it's so much easier. But that also makes well, it that really was, hard. That was the great thing, Tim. Sorry, uh, that was the great oh, thing right. about becoming a wrestling fan as an adult at this point in time. Because if I want to watch any all Japan match from 1992, all I have to do is go on ditch or find it. Uh, you know, it's so easy. Uh, to to find all this stuff, uh, you know, whereas you know, years ago you you had to trade tapes or you know it would it would be you know incredibly painful to try and find these matches. So uh, that's a real blessing, and it's allowed me to catch up very quickly uh, in a way that otherwise might not have been. And uh, I also, for various reasons, I'm going to have a lot more downtime this year, so I'm very excited to further my horizons. I plan to do my first uh, GWE list uh, in 2026. I actually have a really uh, a discussion question for you about that later in the show oh, sure. uh tim so we uh yeah, yeah. We can get into that yeah of course um yeah but i would even i would honestly even say like three four years ago maybe even a little bit longer was really the best time to 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 get into it um yeah because yeah, 2018 was my big year where i which is probably a couple years too late because the european scene it sold out by the end of the year and Things were starting to wind down with with New Japan. It's it's peak quality, but well, you know it was still part of the boom. Well, I I go back to what I'm like trying to say is though for like the kids now, the younger kids who are getting into it right now. There's so much stuff available that's current, and there's so much streaming everywhere, everything that you don't have time to go back and watch old stuff if you're really into it. And that's why when you say like, oh, if you're listening to this, you probably see more wrestling than me, maybe, but maybe not historical. And it's yep. just like so difficult to want to go back and watch any older stuff because you're going to lose track of everything that's going on right now. There's so much. That's why I say like five, six years ago where there was everything was still available, but there wasn't everything streaming like it is now with IWTV and all the streaming services to where you you could get your hands on all of this good stuff. But you also could keep up with the modern stuff and not feel like it was a full time job to keep up on all the modern wrestling. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just, that is so yeah. true. And the last couple of years, I've like started the spreadsheet and tried to keep up. And by WrestleMania weekend, I'm always done. It's just like, yeah. I can't do this. Uh, and, and and the sheet ends up getting deleted. There's just it's absolutely too much there. Um, all right. So this DDT show we're going to talk about. There's a pre-show tag. There's a I mean, there's a ton of just whatever. You already said it. I mean, what is the, the name of the show is uh, uh, never never, never mind. mind. Never mind. It's almost like telling you not to watch it, which is kind of great. The DDT <laughs> thing, but DDT. I mean, it's not. It's not hustle, right? But it does make sense that if you're a WWE fan, DDT was like hustle DDT when they started. The idea was delivering a WWE sports entertainment style wrestling show in Japan, which was kind of novel at the time. Um, 
And so that's why it does make sense for like a only WWE fan to really latch onto this. But like, I appreciate it too, to where DDT is kind of my, my, I guess maybe my favorite promotion. The one that I really like have the most affinity for truthfully um, at this point, like in Japan. Um, It's very lovable. And I find myself excusing their mistakes much more frequently than any other promotion. Like when the whole CM Punk thing went down with AEW, it was so easy for me to go from a weekly dynamite viewer to just not caring at all. It happened in about four days. And with DDT, even when they do things that I don't like, I kind of still just keep following. And I, because I, I don't know, they've just built up a lot of goodwill with me. Yeah. I mean, I get, I definitely get that. I, you know, I, I've checked out on AEW for just completely different reasons, which is like just, and I, from what I hear reports that what's going on as we record tonight um, on a, on dynamite it's looking even more like wwe or, or overproduced and that's kind of the thing that yeah. turns me off that's when i say yeah, okay i'm not interested um i don't want to see that that's not what i think of when i see wrestling now ddt though they do big shows they do big arena shows they do overproduce they do all of that but for some reason it's fine with me because as you talk about like they still are incredibly stupid and we'll talk about it probably here you know in, in maybe your match of the night uh later yep, on absolutely where- <laughs> It's like, I'm sorry, but if you're on a grand stage and you're doing something that stupid or even pheromones, which I think me and you both don't really care for. But like if you're doing a big show like this, but you're still doing something that incredibly stupid and tasteless, it's kind of hard for me to be like, oh, I can't watch this because it's just it's so mainstream. It's just so big. It's so it's just it doesn't feel like an authentic wrestling show. It's like, no, this this is fucking dumb. This is really dumb idiot stuff. And that's why I want to watch it, because I'm a big dumb baby who wants to watch idiot show. Um, So anyways, getting into the actual show itself, uh, pre-show dark match tag. Um. Hideki Otani, uh, Toy Kojima, to, to I don't even know. I'm so bad at these. Yeah, things. you. I think you. I think you got it right. Uh, Toei. It might be Toei or whatever. Toei. Maybe. Anyway. Uh, Kazuna Sumi, Yuka Kuroku. I don't know. There's like not even much point to me even going through all these. I'm spending more time going through these fucking names and making myself sound like an idiot than it's really worthwhile to watch. Um, these guys were going insanely quick as far as I could tell. They were really trying yes. to stuff a lot into ten minutes, and it was impressive. Uh, because they're all very talented, but I mean, slow it down, right? I mean, I hate to say that. It sounds like an old man, but fuck. Yeah, down. this is a great ex- great example of me giving DDT like more slack than I would give other promotions. I wrote down in my notes, a little sloppier than usual. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot sloppier than usual. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. They were there's... going a million miles an hour. And especially yeah. it was it was Sumi, who is uh, the, he was in the, I think the yellow gear. Yeah, um, he is super green. I think he had his first match like a, just a couple of months ago. Um, he is a great, great prospect, but it, it he was he was uh, he was shooting for the moon uh, with this with this match. I, I think it was his first time on a big show. Uh, the other three yeah. have have been on big shows before, um, and he looked like he was uh, he was the one who ended up taking the fall, and and he looked like he was really trying to make an impression. Um, yeah, he, I really like him. I think he's a lot of fun. But but yeah, this was. Uh, this was way, way too fast. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. He did some neat stuff for sure. Sumi, like you said, definitely a good prospect there. Um, Okatani, obviously, I think anybody who's paying attention so far has like seen something in him, obviously, with the being mm-hmm. paired up with Eruption and and what he does in that team. Clearly, they they see something in him and he's definitely very talented. Um, it did cross my mind as you talked about that. The I don't know if you 
saw or heard any of the stuff about the contract situations going on in Japan right now and and these companies being interested in outsiders or, or being interested in trying to poach from each other or people on handshake deals, all of this and that. And none of the drama, none of the contract stuff that anyone was talking about involved DDT. It was all Dragon Gate, uh, New Japan, some Noah this stuff. This is my... Well, this is my speculation. Well, I guess Noah would be Cyber Fight too. I was just sort of sure. thinking Cyber Agent has the sort of it, it's a little more dressed up in that the contracts might be tighter or right. it's a little bit better funded. I'm not sure. Well, no, and, and DDT. If, if, well, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if it's happening with Noah, then then clearly, you know, it, it's possible that it would happen to DDT too. Well, DDT feels more like the focus when it comes to Cyber Agent, Cyber Fight, and and the wrestling yeah, side sure. of things. So I could definitely see that they're yeah they're being a lot more by the book and and also you've got this roster that you don't really need to be worrying about thinking about poaching outside people. Um, well, they're any poaching reason. people. They're bringing right. people in. They poached Yuji Hino a couple of years ago. Now they've got Naruki Doi coming in, which is a huge name sure. for them. Sure, sure. Um, I, I mean, that's, uh, I, Kotaro Suzuki won a title on this show. So Doi Doi is not exactly a poach, but I get what you're saying. I mean, they got Akiyama. You could say that that was like a similar thing, but like that was, you know, coming from Noah. So that's under the same company, same contract, all that stuff. Well, he came from he came from all Japan, didn't he? Oh, that's but true. It was kind of like a, but... it was kind of like a mutual thing, I think, where yeah. they were ready to move on to like new office, too. So, yeah. And Doi is Doi is technically a freelancer, but is a exclusive DDT freelancer, whatever that exactly means. But so he's still, yeah. you know, under some kind of deal with with Dragon Gate. Um, so but yeah, I mean, he know he knows an interesting one. They did kind of grab him. But but yeah, it does. It definitely does see like a lot of the drama, a lot of the contract stuff. There is not a lot of uh, loose contracts, as you said, stuff is kind of tightened up. And, and yeah, and this match shows why they don't again, like I said, they don't need to really be looking at like, oh, we need to grab uh Rapungi 3k or whatever because they've got guys here who are really solid that are coming up from there uh i think they got... have six i think they have six really strong young prospects which yes. is an insane amount to have if you're a japanese wrestling promotion i mean like two or three is good right. uh, i think all four guys in this match have a chance to be if not like headliners at least really strong mid-card talents uh, we'll talk about uh, Takeshi Masada later in the show. Yeah. He is the dude. Um, and then Yuki Ishida later in the show, too, is like the next Taguchi. So uh, they've got six guys that you can see as like, like if those six are in six of the 10 top slots on a card in five years, it wouldn't blow you away. And that's no, a no. crazy, crazy thing of riches to have. I don't know how they're doing it in their dojo. I don't know who's training these guys, uh, but every single one of them uh, seems to turn out great. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, the next, I guess, pre-show, technically pre-show, six-man tag match, uh, Damnation TA um, with, uh, oh, God, <laughs> Cannon. Do you, want, do you want me to do the names? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I I was, I honestly was not doing that reaction because of the names, um, but, uh, but, uh, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, Antonio Honda, Takanashi, and Soma Takao. Um, but I was saying, goddamn, because I wanted to ask you this because you, I feel like you follow the Dragon Gate lore and stuff more than me. So I wanted to ask you, MJ Polly, I, I feel like I kind of got it, but okay, Matt, was it Mad Polly was an alien and MJ Polly is a robot, or am I getting that backwards? What was what is the deal here? So Mad Polly was originally Dice Case Sasaki's pet, 
in yes. Damnation. Um, he was an alien. Uh, he would go into heat and become Red Pauly once a year. Okay. And when Damnation was officially broken up, uh, Sasaki decided to just essentially ignore it and start Damnation Total Addiction, which is a new stable. It has new people. Uh, Pauly was the only uh, carryover from the old Damnation. Uh, and he is now MJ Paul, who I'm not sure if he's a robot. He's not. He, I think he's more rabid than the previous character. Yes. Um, but he's still the same you know, shitty wrestler who does the same right. stuff. This right. match sucked. Um, but yeah, no, I think yeah. I think that's what it is. Well, I guess you're not on the canon hype train with me and Quentin, uh, I guess. No, no, I like him. Uh I do like him. I, I think he's I think he's a good prospect. Um I think clearly he is like why the stable exists. Um yeah. is is to get him over. Uh I think you'll see him get uh I think a universal title shot is a great thing for him to get relatively soon uh he's gotten tag title shots uh but i think him and ueno or i, I think doy is going to win that title um that would be a, a, a decent matchup too um but yeah the you know sasaki i think is 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 generally winding down um and and it's a good it's a good thing for him but like i don't i don't need to watch mj paul or or yeah. someone with the cow matches you know i've i've I actually, the, the note I wrote down is that it feels like there's this like long running rib on Soma Takao. Like the dude just looks miserable, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> a, a few years, a few years ago, he was, he was in the final of King of DDT a few years ago. And in the aforementioned Slack chat, we were all dreading him winning this match and, and facing Tetsuya Endo at Peter Pan. And he ended up losing to, to, to Keshta. Um, but like since damnation broke up, the, the guy has just been swallowed whole. Like he's been in, in, in Ganbar, uh, like half the time um yeah and like so he and, and masa and, and honda all did honda's bionic elbow in this match if you go back and watch it uh yeah. soma doesn't even try no it was it was no. the saddest thing i've ever absolutely seen absolutely checked out it's it's <laughs> fucking insane it's like so and it's it's so you caught that too i oh, was like oh, oh yeah. my god oh, yeah no, Soma is just absolutely fucking gone. I mean, Soma is the app name for him at this point because he wrestles like he's on him. Um, yeah. And it, it's so fucking infuriating in a promotion where you've got, you know, and I, I I harp on this just because, you know, it's really glaring to me. You've got Akito who's just accepted being office and not doing anything worthwhile. Um, just so junking it up. And you've got Soma still fucking, you know, offering this level of fucking output. It's just, God damn. Like, I would love well, to at just, least. Yeah. At yeah. least he's not being pushed anymore is sure. the nice part. Sure. Because, like, when he was in – like, if you go back to, like, Team Drift, like, Irie and Ishii were incredible. And then Soma Takao was also in the stable, you know? Right. Like, he's the Ugh. one guy from that generation, which was not a great generation for them in terms of volume, but he's the one guy that did not pan out at all. And they were insisting on him for so long. But it seems like like that's finally stopped and that he has accepted his lot in life. Poor guy. Yeah. Um, okay, so open up the show proper. They've got something with Lilico and uh, Dino. I did not take the time to go back and like read the translations on all this stuff. Do you want to give a breakdown of it or uh, I, I did not or... either? Um, okay. they 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 I, I think uh, Dino was gonna light the bomb in her ass again. Idiot show, baby yes. morons watching idiot stupid, uh, yes. is what we're doing here. Yeah. Uh, and her husband, who is some sort of TV character. Uh, came out and and did it instead. Uh, it looked painful, and yeah, uh, we mo we moved on. We move on to the yeah the the big main event is you've got the the future top guy as you talked about there. Um, 
Takeshi Masada go, taking on the big boss of uh, Senshiro Takagi here. Um, I guess I'll just say, Evan, you know, the floor is yours. Take your uh, <laughs> take your, your opening here talking about this. I thought this was pretty interesting and, and a, a solid showing. Yeah, there was actually a lot to think about here because uh, so a big thing coming out of this show and the following Korokin the following week is that uh, Takagi is going to have at least a small run here as like actually trying as a wrestler again. Which I think is really cool, because uh, he was—I uh, mean—he's the president of the company. He's been the guy the entire time. And uh, back in the mid two thousands, you know, he was never a great wrestler, uh, but he worked like he's a, a former KOD champion multiple times, and uh, has has you know had big matches with guys like Harashima and uh, and like he ha- he can do a lot for for guys like this, uh, and. It's exciting to have him back, and especially because he's a tremendous uh, comedy wrestler, one of my three favorite uh, comedy wrestlers in the promotion. Uh, we'll get to the other two in a little bit, but uh, he, he, this was not a comedy match. This was a, a straight uh, sort of opening sprint with a veteran against a, a young guy, but uh, he he's a, a valuable piece uh, if he's going to wrestle for a little while. He's, he's pushing 50. I think he's over 50 now, um, but still uh, still a fun guy to have around, and uh, he did a butterfly suplex uh, over the apron or from the apron over the top rope into the ring to set up the the finisher in this, which was pretty sick. Uh, so he's he's got his stone cold gimmick and his power spots, and I always enjoy him. But but the takeaway here is Masada. Uh, yeah. He's been basically uh, they have set him up to be uh, uh, to clone. Essentially, he he is very obviously thought of as the next guy, and I, I see it. Uh, I think he absolutely has that ability. He's big. There's tons of room for him to fill out. Uh, he's kind of weird looking in a in a good way. Like he stands out. Uh, his stuff is really crisp for someone so green. He seems to have a feel for for working underneath already, which is you know yeah. the first thing you're going to learn. And he's good at it. Um, you know, it's a long way to go. He's going to be uh, it's going to be three or four years before he really gets pushed into the the main event picture. But I do think. That they had that of, of their young prospects, I'm ready after a few months of seeing him to call Masada the best of that group, uh, and I think they were right to kind of anoint him the super rookie. Uh, that's what they're calling him. They're doing that whole label, you know, that goes back, you know, years and years and years. And uh, I I think it's a good call. Uh, he I'm calling him Baby Soup, uh, mm-hmm. and that's uh, to to uh, uh, Taka Soup is Takesh's Twitter handle, so he is Soup. This is Baby Soup. Uh, and, uh, they wrestled each other on the January 3rd show, uh, I guess a couple of days ago, uh, at the time we're recording this. I have not watched that yet, but I'm looking forward to going back to it. They got 10 minutes. Uh, I heard it was really good. So, uh, that, that's, that's a a really, really exciting prospect. Yeah. I'm interested to go to check that one out. I saw the the post of the graphic of it and, and definitely agree with you. Everything there. I think his, his selling underneath, as you said, the facials and the selling from the bottom is done super well. So it's just, it's going to be, uh, it's just going to be, like you said, filling out, putting it together. But he sells like someone who's been in a fight, which is good. His his facials are cartoony and over the top, but, you know, they they suck you in, as you said, him being just kind of weird looking. Um, and again, Takagi's got uh, built-in equity, a guy that everyone believes in, they all love. So yeah, like this is a perfect little thing to do to get these people over. And and the post match, he calls out the rookies, and he and he says, yeah, basically, like you gotta 
I think I kind of looked up what he talks about here and he basically talked about the, like, you know, they've got a, a year here to prove themselves and all this stuff. So 2023 is going to be the year of DDT, I guess, like you said, like kind of restocking the pool and building up new stars. And it's interesting because a lot of the companies are having this. I mean, we talked about it last week with me and Quentin, that Dragon Gate is already well on their way of pushing their younger talent up the card. New yeah. Japan, you've got the rumors that that uh, uh, Bushi Road is saying, get the fuck over this and start pushing some new people, um, which is interesting that <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. beat Ren Narita for the TV title, but whatever. As I tweeted out, it's perfect because Sabre can you know promote all the stuff on social media. As we all know, he's very good on there. <laughs> uh, so that'll be helpful. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that doesn't make any sense when you're talking about push these new guys and Ren Arena was the most pushable young guy that they really had available yep. on Wrestle Kingdom and they did nothing with him. Um, I mean, I guess you can say they did something with him, but why not put the fucking title on him? And then DDT is here, he, obviously making, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say Ren Narita got treated better last year when he, he got yeah. at the Shibata match. Yeah. That was so much better for him than, than this. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Mindless. Well, that's why New Japan feels stale and DDT still feels kind of fresh, even though they they feel past their peak. They still feel like there's something there, in, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, they still have people that feel like they're moving up the card and they've got new people and yeah. they've got interesting stuff. I mean, that, that's it. Even the main event has two guys who are pretty well established, but still feel like they have something to prove. Um, it was the know, first time that two uh, two DNA guys uh, wrestled in a big show main event. I think that's a really cool thing. That's great. I was going to mention that when we got to it. But that's yeah, been I mean, so it's, long ago. Yeah. 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 Um, but yes. So, you know, moving on, like I said, they've got a year where clearly they're trying to to make some kind of point about pushing new acts. So they so. He, he was announcing that they're doing a, a tournament with the young guys. Um, so there's going to be uh, a round robin with uh, the six of them that we've talked about. And then Kego Nakamura and uh, Illusion, who is a, a masked wrestler. I think he's like 19. Um, and the winner of the round robin tournament is going to go to the Hollywood show that they're doing WrestleMania. Weekend. Oh, nice, I nice. imagine. Uh, Masada is going to win that. The stipulation of this match with with Takagi was that if Masada won, he would get booked on the show and he blew it. But now he's getting another chance at it. Uh, but we're going to get like a bunch of matches, singles matches between all of them. Uh, and the finals are going to be on a Cork and Hall show. So I'm I'm pretty excited for that. I think it's going to be a great chance for them to kind of show what they can do. Nice. Um, following this up, we've got kind of a uh, veteran. I was going to say veteran versus rookie, but not exactly. Uh, just a tag team match, really, with kind of showcasing two guys who I absolutely adore with uh, Hiroshima. All right, Evan, you talked about doing the names. How how should we be saying it? Hiroshima is, Hiroshima. is the is sure. I just go by the ring announcers. Uh, sure, I feel sure. like they're probably getting it right. And uh, Hiroshima is, is where they go. OK, it's better. I mean, uh yeah, it's better than I just recently heard Dave say, and I was going to actually reference it because uh, it was very fun recently. I don't know if you've ever listened to uh, I WrestleNomics. Saw the, I saw the Observer uh, blurb where he confused him with Taisuke Sasaki. Oh, oh yes, man. there's that. There's that was definitely so that. good. But then there was also, he was talking about some show and he was he was saying, oh, you know, like the, the long time DDT, whatever. And he was calling him um, Harry, Shimi, or Harry Shima. Oh, dear. Yeah, so I was just like, Harry? Oh, okay, so Harry, Harry Shima, and I was just like, okay, he's nailing it. So he knows. Yeah, you yeah. should call him that from now on. No, I yeah. respect Harishima too much for that. If it was anybody yeah. else. But uh, yeah, there was that, and then uh, it was uh, WrestleNomics when they were talking about Bas Basara, 
And at, when you said the name of the promotion, I was like, ah, but I can't remember what they said. But it was it's always very fun to listen to the WrestleNomics guys talk about anything other than like, you know, the big companies and, and the data and the money and stuff. They just talk about business when they try to talk about like wrestling outside of WWE and AEW. It's, it's very funny. Um, yeah, because the, the, they they were murdering Bassera and they like legitimately were just like saying, like, I don't know what the name of the promotion is and just like kind of trying to spell it and say it. And But yeah, it was it was definitely very fun. Um, Brutal. Either way. This tag match here, uh, I thought Hino and Ishida looked great. Um, obviously, that I say that to just say like Sakaguchi, Hiroshima, Hiroshima, um, are just perennially fantastic as far as I'm concerned. And and we talked about DDT being like the promotion that I really like in 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 Japan, and that's because of those two, basically. Like yeah. those, the, you know, those are two of my longtime guys. But it's it's so it frustrating that they held them out of the Dio this year. And I have no idea. So like Hiroshima has been pretty with with one very, very notable exception. Uh, Hiroshima has been consistently de-emphasized for about five, six years now. Uh, I think they probably moved on from him as the ace about two or three years too early, which is which is probably better. You'd rather end something early than let it go on too long is what usually happens in pro wrestling. Um, but it's just it's so frustrating for me to see him in a in a tag that's second on the card when like I know this guy is still the best wrestler in the promotion. He's one of the yeah. best wrestlers in the world. He's one of the best wrestlers of all time. He really is. Uh, I mean, he is one of the great babyface aces in Japanese professional wrestling history. Uh, he is sublime, and he still has a lot to offer. He's in his late forties now. I don't know if this is his choice. Maybe he does want to dial it back. Uh, you know, at that point, he certainly has every right to. Uh, just as a fan of his, I, 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 I hope we get a Higuchi Harashima title match because he's the kind of guy with enough equity that if they just say Harashima's challenging for the title, everybody oh, yeah. would be like, "Oh, all right, awesome." Uh, so, uh, like, he, he's he's basically their John Cena, frankly, uh, at this point. Uh, what what that role yeah. is, um, where if you dropped him in, it'd be like, "Yeah, okay, great." Um, and there's a couple of big shows where they could really do that with him uh, later this year. So I hope that happens. And yeah, Yukio is a stud. Uh, he's Yukio is funny because he got pushed to the moon right when he debuted and he probably wasn't good enough yet. And then after that bombed and he never got that kind of a push again, he became awesome. Um, no. It was fun to see them tag together. Uh, the guy who stood out to me for sort of on a, a broader view is Hino uh, because I, I just really like what he's added to DDT over the last two years. Uh, he's, a big guy. They don't have very much of that at all uh, in terms of like a real monster who can actually work. Uh, he's a good worker. He can have big time sort of prestige main event matches, so to speak. But he's also funny. Like he, they did some comedy in this match where they did like the the kickoffs and, uh, you know, he kind of hulks up and then, you know, his his goofy selling is funny. Like uh, he's just a really nice fit where he's like he can both be a monster to to put over the biggest stars, but also do the comedy stuff at this point on the card. Yeah. You know, you know, this is a weird comparison and, and also like, what is it? But I think if you just watch all that ROH, then I think you kind of get, but Hino kind of has the same cool factor that Joe Samoa Joe has where it's like, totally. he can be amusing and he can be comical, but he's never a joke. Like he's yeah. not, and like that's perfect, and so he fits in really well with that because he he carries himself that way. Um, where it's yeah, like, the yeah, joke he... is never on him. 
He yeah. can be the he can be the straight man, or he can make fun of others, but he's never getting humiliated, which keeps his aura. Yeah, and and definitely, I've said it a thousand times, but yeah, like putting bigger guys around him and letting them learn from him has worked out really well, especially for like someone like Yukio Naya, who I think that those two kind of butting up yeah. against each other has helped Naya really learn how to wrestle better as a big man. Um, and clearly, he's gotten tons better. But we'll talk about him later, future, uh, you know, DDT. Champion. Yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be a big discussion point. <laughs> Sure. Um, pheromones tag. I I mean, I've made it pretty clear. I just do not engage with pheromones at this point. But if you want to talk about it, feel free. No, no, I, I just free Yuki, Eno, please talk about a young guy. I that know. Like, oh, and see, here's the thing. Like. It's almost it's almost bad if you're really funny and like, Eno is really funny uh, and he's just I mean, but you, the one thing I'll say, the crowd fucking loves these guys. I right. mean, they are just they've won best unit at the the Japanese Indie Awards two years in a row. Um, they are one of the most overacts on the show. So and, and Dino has, what, 20 years of, of equity with this crowd. Right. Uh, so they clearly are OK with the act. I have no idea, you know, how it looks to uh, to me as a I, I, I there there's. I don't know. It's a it's an act I've never been totally comfortable with for right. I should hope for obvious reasons. And uh, it's just. They've so far been kept away from the stuff that I really care about. I'm nervous that that's going to change, uh, but we will see. I just uh, I really want them to free Eno because the dude is so, so good. And it's a it's a shame to see him in this sort of spot. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting because it's like it's a it's a callback. It's a reference. You know what I mean? Um, to like an older, you know, it's another gimmick that was also kind of in some ways slightly problematic but but you know mm. dino it is what it is and it's also a different culture and hey why not well this that's is the, the other thing i oh. yeah i just don't i feel weird being like oh this is so bad as i don't know you know right. i i just i i don't know at all i i'm completely ignorant so i just sort of don't like you said don't really engage with it just kind of let it go yeah and here's the thing it is bad <laughs> you know like i, I yeah. know that it's bad but it's culturally it different bad. it's, it's culturally really bad. It's like a different culture and this and that. And like I said, this is as good a place as any to, to reference it. But like, you know, the Muda thing that just happened with with Nakamura and his post-match promo and what he said, it's like it's the same fucking shit. It's like, again, it's a different culture. I've talked about it in the past in the podcast. It's like people overlook the fact that like Japan is really fucking regressive. Japan is a very conservative country. A lot of like, you know, weeb types like to look at all of their culture and be like, oh, it's this magical island with all of the cool kawaii stuff. And I love it so much. But but it's an ethno state. At the end of the day, it's kind of an ethno state. Like you don't have full citizenship as a foreigner in a lot of ways. It's like very difficult to own property, to have full rights, all this kind of stuff. They're not super chill to women. Like still to this day, there's tons of problems. And Yes, a hundred-year-old man who uh, plays a dragon monster character doesn't necessarily know which words in English he is and isn't allowed to say anymore because the last time he was in America, I mean, I've, I've seen him in America within the last 20 years, but the last time he spent a lot of time in America was back when, like, I mean, the stuff that he called Nakamura was pretty commonplace. So yeah. that's why it's just like, it's really weird to see people judging like, oh, I can't believe he would say this, like, are you really fucking shocked? On top of all of that, he's a wrestler. 
like it doesn't even matter yeah. just like throw it out the window and just say wrestlers say this kind yeah, of just shit all the fucking time prematurely cancel all wrestlers and then you won't ever have to worry about it yeah exactly but yeah i'm just like are you guys really like okay the guy doesn't fucking speak english like you know fluently it's a second language for him he's a hundred years old and he's a fucking dragon monster of course he's not woke <laughs> you know like i'm sorry uh when you put it that way <laughs> yeah right it's pretty easy to predict um Either way, yeah. my match of the night, not yours, but maybe your number two match of the night, C-Hash versus Shinya Aoki. Uh, it, was my, it was my wrestling match of the night, sure. actually. Yeah, uh, I, I love this. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah, this was fucking great. This was like a clinic of just like grappling back and forth. But two, two wrestlers who are not, you know, that, you know, the, I always talk about the good wrestler, right? The, the, uh, the gimmick that is, I'm a good wrestler. Like these guys, Aoki has the fucking like, really does have the 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 backup and all that stuff that like you know that he could just be like i'm just a shitty re- like grappler and i don't have to do anything else but he plays it to the cheap seats his facials are amazing the guy is a natural pro wrestler over the top it's the thing that i say like like why suzuki and shibata are really good at doing this kind of stuff is because they know that they're playing characters um shibata obviously plays it a lot more dry but aoki puts it over the top and then obviously hashimoto is fucking incredible just the grappling, the back and forth, the selling, the, the same thing. Like the grappling on the mat, everything is super believable, super tight. If you've ever like done any wrestling or any like combat sports, you kind of like can see some intricate details that are really, really neat with like, well, you know, the way that you play certain locks and do certain holds and counters and in and out. But also again, like doing stereotypical pro wrestling stuff, um, which is still fun to mix in there. And, and it's tough because I know that I have, you know, some friends who are very into the grappling thing and they they'll DM me and be like, oh, this is fucking complete bullshit. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, I don't I just can't I can't relate because I'm able to, like, let my brain just kind of sh- like appreciate that in a re- in the context of a wrestling ring, you're allowed to not necessarily do everything perfect. Yeah, like yeah my reaction yeah. to that is has always just been like, OK, so go watch MMA. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I it's pro yeah. wrestling. I appreciate it and and I, I I get it, but it's like yeah, in the in the confines of wrestling, I'm a lot more willing to let this stuff go. And then it was funny because I was looking up. There's something I was pulling up about Hashimoto, and I was trying to look up like I don't even remember what it was. Maybe I was trying to look up how old she was because of all the uh, Tremont age uh, discourse was popping off. Um, and then I saw that like, uh, her German suplex hold is called the Albright. And I was like, oh, you know, like, that's that's cool. And then uh, she hits it here and I hear the commentary going, oh, the Albright, Albright. And then she gets the win. And uh, I really appreciated that. And you mentioned the DDT English commentary is really good. I really appreciate them. And they were really good in this match. But in general, like, I just thought this is a good place to mention that, like, DDT English commentary is pretty great. But yeah, this match fucking rocked as like a just a technical wrestling clinic under 10 minutes, but tons of drama. And the finish is amazing because Hashimoto gets the win with the all bright and Aoki just is like fucking shocked and sells it over the moon. Um, but major respect post-match. And I thought uh, just fucking fantastic. Yeah. He's the best. Uh, did you watch his uh, cash in on Higuchi? Yes. Yes. Back that was fall? great. Yeah, that yeah. was, that was one of my favorite slices of pro wrestling that I saw last year. Um, I stumbled into it live I got home from from work and the show was ending. I put on I saw like the last two minutes of the tag match. And I was like, OK. And then Aoki came down and cashed in. And so I kind of like accidentally turned this on and was just fucking captivated by it. And yeah. the thing that Aoki does really well, and he did it again here with Hashimoto. He can plug 
I mean, you have to be good, right? You have to be you have to be a very good wrestler to make this work. And there are people who wrestle Aoki and it doesn't work. But if you can get plugged into his match, it's just some of the most captivating map stuff that you're going to see. Like you said, like super tight and like every move they made. And I don't know the technical stuff from, you know, the but, sure. but every move they made was intended to either put shoulders down for a pin or work somebody into a submission. There was no laying around on the mat, you know, doing, you know, or, or switching holds, you know, willy nilly or anything like that. Like there, there was nothing British about this, right? It was, <laughs> it was super snug, everything had a purpose. And I love the story they told where kind of Aoki's pulling at different things and trying to find her weak spot. And he gets one with her right arm and he starts to, to really crank at it and actually gets like a full on arm breaker on her at one point and she survives it. And in a last ditch effort, she gets to her power stuff, does two power moves. The second one is the Albright, and that's enough to win. Because Aoki yeah. had had no no conception that that was coming. He did a similar match at a big show with Harashima a few years ago, where uh, Harashima hit like a spike shoot style pile driver on him, and then beat him right after that. Uh, after Aoki had dominated a lot of the match, and, and I thought Hashimoto, like you said, was incredible in this. I thought she was plugged into an Aoki match really, really well. Uh, her arm selling was phenomenal. Uh, even after the match uh, was tremendous. Um, th- this was, yeah, this was pretty easily my favorite like wrestling match of the night. Uh, and, and a good lesson that you do not need 30 minutes to have a great match. Uh, you no. need, you know, on this, the anniversary of Nakamura Sakuraba that people have been celebrating today, 10 years. Um, you do not need a lot of time to have a great wrestling match. No, definitely not. And yeah, the, the the arm stuff, and and as you talked about that, getting the arm and uh, and and her breaking it up at the ropes was a big. That was a big moment there too, for sure. And then yep. yeah, the the rampage bomb, and then the Albright is like perfect, perfect setup there. Um, we get kind of a uh, TJPW showcase tag match. Um, Saki, uh, Yuki Ara, Rico Kawahara, and. Uh, God, Sayori Anu. Um, fine, but it's tough because, like, I don't know, just TJPW level work is not at the same level as, I mean, God, it's crazy to even say, but, like, even American women's wrestling is, like, kind of slightly better. Not to say that this is, like, terrible, but, you know, it's it's decent. And honestly, I think, like, it's probably as good as a lot of like spot festy tag matches are. And that's just probably partially just my taste at this point where, where like tag matches that just really don't have a ton of, uh, a ton of story to them. And just like a lot of big spots do not really do much for me. Um, that said, I mean, yeah, like everyone is pretty good. They're pretty like locked in. They're all pretty smooth. There's no like botches. It's not like the, the opening match where we talked about like, they're going way too fast and they can't keep up with each other. Like none of that. And nothing looked like whiffed or bad, honestly, which is like pretty, pretty solid there, but there was not much to sink my teeth into. I did not get like a, you know, anything that like really like, like sticks with me basically after watching it. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah. I wrote down whatever. Don't have much to say. Sure. Perfect. <laughs> oh, Perfect. Like I don't watch Tokyo Joshi pro. I, I, I love Mio Yamashita. Uh, I think she's phenomenal. I'm, so happy for her getting chances overseas. Uh, Ayuka Sakazaki's pretty good. Uh, beyond that, eh. and and uh, I, I guess the the two opponents for uh, uh, Saki Akai and uh, Arai, I think is her partner's name, 
Yeah. Uh, they're they're freelancers. Or, uh, one of them is from from Seedling, I think, and another one is uh, is from uh, Ice Ribbon. Uh, so I didn't know who they were. Uh, they were okay. Uh, it was it was a perfectly adequate tag team match. I, sure. I I didn't didn't love it or hate it. Uh, it it was one of maybe three matches that we're gonna go here that probably just did not need to be on this show. Um, they kind of pushed this. Like I I get the sense that the Tokyo Joshi Pro team is very popular. Um, yeah. So I think that 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 probably did help draw. Um, but I I don't uh, I I. It was not. It was filler for me. Uh, watching it with with what I'm looking for from a from a yeah. TV show. Yeah, you know, I mean, you talked about the slack, and there's, I don't know, there's like there's slack lore, and and I've talked about it in the past. Like I just maybe I haven't ever said this publicly, or you know, just with like Quentin or or someone else or, or other people in general. But like, I don't even necessarily always follow this stuff 100 percent because I'm like so in and out, and I'm just not like heavily online in general to where I like always know what the fuck is going on. But like. Saki Akai, like, I know you guys, like, there's, like, the calling her the bird and all this stuff, and it always feels, like, That's dismissive. so mean. <laughs> it feels dismissive in a way that it I've is. always, it's, like, kind it's of mean. not understood, because I've always really liked her, and, like, you said that, like, she's very popular. Like, I get why she's popular, right? Like, there's something to her that I think is very, like, appealing, not just, like, you know, the way that she looks, but also, like, her wrestling. And so I just always wonder, like, you know, but, like, again, like, the the, the lore of this stuff in the Slack can always be, like, not necessarily meant to be as negative as it can come across, right? Like, but like, you get where I'm coming from on that. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've never particularly liked her wrestling. Um, apparently, she does like a different character in Tokyo Joshi Pro, uh, yeah. where she does a heel character. Um, and and Yukio Sakaguchi is apparently like her her like uh, paramour slash butler. Uh, yeah. I think. Um, I could be completely wrong there, but, uh, where he, he like dresses up in, in in, like old French clothing, um, which is pretty funny. Like she, she clearly, she's got like, she's like got a, a super expressive face and like, uh, I, I definitely get it. I just, I've always found her offense like feather soft and, uh, I've never found her to be like a particularly compelling in-ring worker in terms of like telling a story like, and, and she was interruption for a while with Higuchi and Sakaguchi, and I saw a lot of what should have been great six-mans dragged down by focusing on her rather than the people that I cared about, um, which was never fun. So, uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, she definitely has a fan base. She definitely got a place on the roster. Um, it's just it's just not for me. I, I, I didn't sure. get anything out of this. Sure, sure. I'm not, you know, I'm the, she never makes my wrestler of the year list, right? You know, but she, like yeah. you said, she's got a place on the roster. And I think the thing in Eruption was, you know, again, like the look was a big part of it. Like she definitely added to the aura of the team. That that was for sure. Yeah, no. And when they all came out together with that, their great theme song, like that was super cool. And she added yeah. to that for sure. Yeah. But uh, but either way, uh, and yes, like in Tokyo Joshi Pro, she does a ton of different stuff. It's not even just like one character where she's a heel. She's done like a bunch of different characters with different names. She's oh, okay. played like versions cool. of her of her twin sister or, or, you know, whatever, all this weird. She does a ton of weird stuff there. Um, six man tag team titles. Um, you mentioned it earlier, Doi. He loses the trios title here. Like. I don't fucking see what's the point. <laughs> like, I really do not see the point of Doi going freelance to deliver what he's been giving in DDT here. And, you know, obviously, so I this... think go I ahead. think he's going to win the universal title, uh, which is why this happened. Uh, I could be wrong. We'll find out in like a week and a half. 
Um, but I, I think this was just sort of getting his feet wet in the promotion. Um, not that I mean, like DDT fans are going to know who Naruki Doi is. So I, I don't know that that was really necessary. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I do think the team was funny, though. Now, I mentioned my three favorite comedy wrestlers. One is Shinshiro Takagi. Another is Kazuki Harada, who I think is just a, a goddamn treasure. Um, and he, he Doi played a good straight man for him. And he's done that in Dragon Gate, too, in the past. But uh, I, I thought uh, I thought. They had a great vibe together. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Harada's very fun. Uh, you know, Owashi does what he does. And, and like, again, I, I don't know. And there's always lost in translation side of things, right? Where you never know what you're necessarily missing because you don't, you know, you just don't get the promo. Yeah, you the, don't speak the language, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, there is definitely always that, but it does make me kind of go like, I don't, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, burning. I like the burning concept. I Endo is just like a big time, like just a major turnoff for me. Will always, will always be. Um, Did you, was he always for you? Did you ever like him? I can't remember a time where I ever liked Endo. Honestly, maybe okay. during the tag team with with Takeshita, maybe. Like at that point, I was fine with the team, but even then, like it's it doesn't really stand out to me as like necessarily ever being like an Endo fan. Um, and okay. singles and damnation, all of that ever since then, like just never, never did anything for me. Um, okay. I've tried, I've tried, but just does not nothing. But yeah, I mean, again, like you said, I don't think this was necessary. I don't think that Doi needed this to set him up and, and winning the universal titles probably would probably be a good next step for him. You know? Uh, yeah, I think they have to, I think UNO has to lose again. Uh, I think they kind of have to get him down in the dumps a little bit for him to rebound. And I, I think sure. he's winning the KOD title at Peter Pan. So uh, they've got to give me a little more to tug on. Uh, sometimes DDT will have guys lose big matches and then just like, be like, okay, I'm good now. And immediately bounce back and win. Um, and, and uh, I think Uena would do well with uh, a little bit more when I mean, we get into that later. But uh, as far sure. as Endo goes, like I did, I did really enjoy him. I didn't think he was great. Uh, he needs the right setting, but I've always really liked him as a baby face. Uh, and he would sort of play situational babyface in Damnation where there'd be matches that he'd wrestle where because the crowd liked him or he was wrestling like a bigger wrestler, or like a power wrestler. That's why I always really liked him against Takeshita uh, in the past, not the one that they had last year, um, was that he would kind of work underneath. And I found him very sympathetic. Uh, his his high flying stuff for me was always pretty spectacular. Uh, the Tetsu in the sky Spanish fly is a great move. Uh, his shooting star press is gorgeous. His dives are cool, um, and he always kind of came out to me as like a, a guy I wanted to root for to come back. Um, his tag stuff with Damnation was never great because he was always kind of working heel, and I didn't really buy that. But since Damnation broke up and he kind of officially turned to be face, uh, I am just super not with where he's decided to go with his career, where he's becoming like a Kenta Kobashi tribute act. Uh, down to the okay. name of the stable, which like is fine with Junakiyama in, and I like the idea of it when it was first announced. I was really excited about it. But look at a picture of Endo uh, 18 months ago compared to what he looks like now. Uh, he has uh, he has bulked up and uh, in more ways than one uh, to a fairly extreme degree. And all it's done is sap his high flying of its yeah. crispness and impact. But he's not like he's not a heavyweight. He's never wrestled like a heavyweight. He doesn't know how to. So like his idea of wrestling as a heavyweight is like 
throwing a chop in once in a while or transitioning to his Spanish fly with a lariat. He does that in this match. And it's just like, no. Why would you go away completely from the thing people liked you for and try to do this other thing because that's what you think main eventers and heavyweights should look like? This is DDT. Literally anybody can be a main eventer. I I mean, the, the gay panic guy main evented Peter Pan a few years ago. Like, anybody can do it. It doesn't yeah. matter what you look like. That's one of the great appeals of this company. And to see Endo, I don't know if it's him feeling pressured to to fit a mold or, you know, whatever the direction is. It just sucks, and he should not keep doing it. He should go the absolute opposite way. And until that happens, I do not want to see him in the main event again, and I'm terrified of when we're going to. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you're saying there. And honestly, a lot of the stuff you've, you know, mentioned there, like refresh my memory on that. And his fly, his high flying is very impressive and, and awe inspiring. But one thing he has is it's kind of the, I, I, a lot of times I compare it to um, Artemis Spencer. Ricochet is another guy who has this where, where the stuff is like, can be so smooth and so slick that you almost, it doesn't register how difficult it is. Sure. Because it looks it does, so perfect. It does now. It yeah, does now. <laughs> it does now, but now it's not impressive. And the reason why it, no. like, it, it kind of worked for Ricochet is that he had like a cocky attitude, and he still does, where you he like goes over the top with how impressed he is with himself. Like, but Endo never had that, and he had no personality. So you're right. Like his high flying stuff definitely really stood out, but I never really saw much personality beyond it. And then it's just like it's it almost loses its impressiveness because it looks so easy it looks so effortless for him that i'm not really impressed by it um and he doesn't yeah it's like... just it's never what i would do as a performer right like i mean right. I, I, at the end of the day my, my job you know doing sports is is a performance i would never go away from the thing that i do best right to try and fit another mold because it's not me you know i just i i would i would it would, would be totally illogical and i don't know why he's doing it yeah and, and then you okay. look how it went for him because he got his big win you know, they clearly built him up and, and he beat Takeshita in a, a match that everybody just assumed was great because it was 46 minutes long. <laughs> then he got knocked out by Nakajima and then humiliated by Higuchi. And now he's, you know, a mid-carder again. And right. It's like, man, this was always going to happen to you. Maybe not in a specific way, but like you got exposed and, and I, he just keeps leaning into it. It's going worse. Like I saw him. And I was like, my God, Endo looks like this now. Why are well, we doing if- this? And that's like a big part of the problem that I think leads into why I, I never liked him and why it was like confirmed with the Nakajima thing, which is that I look at him as like a paper tiger. And yeah. there's like, I just don't see anything there. So then when my bias gets confirmed, when Nakajima just knocks him out with a slap, it's like really hard for him to come back because I'm like, it's yeah, confirmation bias. It's confirmation really, bias. Really, and, and he can't be some hard body Kobashi guy no. if he's if he's getting knocked yeah. out by a slap. Yeah, I already didn't Kobashi believe in would, you. Kobashi yeah. would get up and chop the shit out of you. Right. And like, oh, man, I don't yeah. know. Either way, let's move on, move on. Junakiyama, Super Sasadango Machine. This is your match yes. of the night. Yes. Explain it to me, please. I my watched... Dumb, you know... My dumb idiot brain was so satisfied by this. So Super Sasadango Machine is my favorite comedy wrestler. I think he is just hilarious. And I used to love him. I fell in love with him through uh, Mr. Haku's translations on the DDT English update account. He was so good at getting it out instantly that you could refresh it and immediately you could pretty much follow along with what he was saying. And 
uh, Mr. Haku wrote it in a way where the jokes came across. Um, it, it was it was tremendous. I, I really a project I should do is archive that account at some point because it's it's uh, it's it's probably good to keep that stuff around, at least for my personal use. Um, yeah. But the cool thing is now that, that that account no longer exists, DDT started their own English account, but we now have English commentary. Uh, they did not do a phenomenal job of translating it. The problem was that about halfway through, they started laughing at all the jokes and couldn't keep up with actually translating them. Right. Um, but through that and the dramatic DDT ra- uh, write-up that uh, that Jamie did, I could uh, at least glean uh, that the the story here was that uh, Akiyama as the extreme champion, uh, first of all, he recommissioned the belt to be white. So that it was like the old uh, GHC National Hardcore title uh, that he founded in 2004 and that went absolutely nowhere and Noah completely forgot about, um, which is a time-honored Noah tradition. Right. And uh, so he gets the title painted white and he says, why does the champion get to pick the rules? That's silly. The challenger should pick the rules. And so uh, he said to Super Sasadango Machine, we're going to have a regular wrestling match unless you can cut 17 kilograms of weight at which point you can pick the rules so obviously he was not going to be able to do this and he decided about halfway through that he could not continue cutting weight because it would render his action figure uh out of scale and he would not be able to sell it anymore and he depends on it for his livelihood so he exploited a loophole in the cyber agent contract that allowed him (laughs) to weigh the action figure rather than himself which did come in under the weight limit and so that allowed him to choose his own rules, which was the action figure of Super Sasadango Machine against an acrylic stand figure of Junakiyama in a Tantan Pro Wrestling match, which looks very fun. It's a tabletop game where you tap the table and try to pin the other figure. Yeah. And 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 to watch them, the, the funniest part to me was the rapidly setting up the table like it was this huge deal uh like it was almost like a high stakes poker game and akiyama sitting there like just with this dumb look on his face trying not to laugh uh and then them tapping the board <laughs> I, was, I don't know it was so dumb but it was so funny <laughs> yeah uh and, and then the, the the great thing about uh dango is that his matches always they always have a story to him so like the comedy will will evolve on itself so then the great the, the punchline was that Akiyama anticipated this and brought his own figure, which was his peak Noah action figure that a fan took the hair off of to update for the modern day. <laughs> and that's what he used. And he ends up winning the Tantan Pro Wrestling match. And Dango says, this is ridiculous. We'll have our own match. And then they have a little sprint where Dango hits his finisher, uh, which which, you know, popped everybody. And then uh June wins it. Uh, and, and it was, I just thought it was a lovely segment. It's yeah. just classic Super Sasadango machine. He is, uh, he, he does the, you know, as, as Muscle Sakai, he does the muscle shows, which are like pretty much like fully rehearsed pro wrestling pseudo musicals of a sort. Now, I, I can't watch those because I don't speak Japanese. You pretty much have to, but I imagine yeah. they're great. Um, people, people who do speak the language seem to love them. Um, so like, uh, I, I just think the guy is, is brilliant. And I thought this was so funny, easily the most fun I had with the show. Yeah. The, uh, I, the, I noticed the figure, which I thought was weird. And then I noticed that they took the time to like mention something about it. So it's nice to know what they were talking about there, um, with the Juno yeah. figure it was that they removed the hair. Um, and then the man, yeah, I was a fan of his sent it to him for Christmas yeah. with Perfect. the hair removed. Yeah. Um, 
And then the actual physical match, the one, the standout there is at the finish there was uh, Sasadango taking the fucking, uh, the exploder was scary. Yes. Well, did you notice he pulled back on the knees though? Yeah. Like he did not hit him with, I mean, even 25% force on the (laughs) knees. Like, but, and then, and then after the match, Antonio Honda comes to check on Super Sasadango Machine to make sure he's still alive and accidentally challenges for the title. <laughs> yes, which is perfect. That's yeah. Okay. I you know, I'm with you on and I I really love this stuff. It's so fucking stupid. Um but uh, It's so dumb. I love it so much. It's fantastic. But yeah, Sasadango trying to take the exploder was fucking scary. Homeboy looked like he yeah. landed right yeah. on the top of his head. Yeah, and it I meant was. To- I meant to say this earlier. I'm sorry, it just popped back in my head. You mentioned um, uh, Miyu Yamashita, uh, and uh, I'm going to see her versus Athena in a couple weeks here in the, at the oh, wow. uh, prestige show for the ROH. I hope Women's we title. get uh, so, I hope we get yeah. murder Athena. Yeah. It, oh, Cause, that's, uh, the, cause that's the idea. Yeah. Miyu will kick back. Yeah. It's going to so, be fucking brutal. It's going to be so much that, fun. That's and, awesome. Yeah, Actually, that's wife. really, really great. Yeah, my wife's coming and she's going to probably lose her mind because she she likes wrestling a lot, but she doesn't necessarily love when they get like insanely brutal. So it's going to oh, be no, that's going to be that. very violent. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. We got the heavyweights, the super heavyweight. I, I do have I do oh, have one thing. Hold on. Hold on, Tim. I just oh, yeah, have yeah. one one kind of question I want to bring up to you and see what oh, you yeah, thought yeah. about it. So I kind of think that this DDT run has done a lot for Junakiyama with yes. like greatest wrestler ever. Uh, obviously he was going to do very well no matter what, but to do this in his born into his fourth decade where he's done everything from a, like a legitimately great main event run during the pandemic where he was like the only guy that could make this stuff work uh, to the comedy stuff, working with the young wrestlers, putting his own stable. Now he's working with other young guys like Okada and Koroku and all that. Like now he's doing the, the, the comedy loop with the, the old heads and it's all so, so good. Like he's every time he's on a show, it is reliably terrific. Like I, I just I think it's a different side of him that we get to see here. I don't know if it does anything for you. Maybe he's already so high that it wouldn't have mattered. Um, but like I think it's such a great capstone for what is an elite, elite GWE case for me. One hundred percent um a guy who who yeah, like was already pretty high for me. Um, I think I just realized that in a major move of, of idiocy, I deleted my uh, saved GWE ballot on my uh, Google Drive. Um, oh, dear. But it's still, I mean, obviously it's still online. I just uh, have to go search for it. But uh, yeah. But it's just not on my Google Drive anymore as an idiot. But I think he was definitely in the top 20. But I'd have to double check exactly where I had him. Um, but that said, like, yeah, this DDT run, the the quality, because here's the thing. When, when we did GWE last time, yes, he was continuing to be great, but it was so, I hate to say it, but it was so just like the same thing as you're talking mm-hmm. about. He was just, totally. it was just more of the same. And yeah, it's, it's, you're really building this impressive resume where it's continuing to be great, but it's also like you know whatever again more of the same you're not really building much it's it's definitely impressive that you continue but now the ddt stuff 
it's been so different and he's been so reinvigorated and he's really proven like how talented he is. And then you do continue to look back at just how great he was in the beginning that like, yeah, he's definitely going to bump up. And there's a few people that are like in the top 10 that were on my top 10 that I definitely can see moving out of the way for, for June at this point, for sure. Like without any question. I didn't know if I was crazy for thinking that because no. it really is just sort of this end of a career run. But I think because it's so different and yet he's still he's still Junakiyama. He's just doing all this different stuff and pulling it off flawlessly at 50 whatever years old. Like I just I, I think he, I think he's absolutely amazing that, yeah. that he, and it looks like he's still got juice left. Like if you put him in a Higuchi title match next month and gave him 20 minutes, they would destroy each other and it would be incredible. But you know he wrestled Taguchi yeah. this year in one yeah. of the best DDT matches of the year uh, last no. year. So, I mean, it's 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 so so good. I I I hope he does all the comedy guys with the extreme title. Like I'd love to see him do Harada and maybe Sinshiro Takagi and like you know uh, uh, he and Akito could have a really fun match. Uh, I I hope that uh, they keep pheromones away from him. But yeah. even that, I kind of expect that he would even make watchable. Uh, he had a good title match with Dino. So what do I know? Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, this is Akiyama, this plus obviously the career that he already had compared it to the kind of people that I had in my top 10 in the, in the last time that I definitely will see dropping down. Um, obviously Danielson number one without a question at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, that's... I don't think he's going to be number one for me, but I just, we'll talk I... about that in a few years. Sure. I mean, here's <laughs> the thing is that when, when I did it before, like my GWE number one was flair. Right. Um, and not to say that he's going to drop like crazy, but it's pretty easy for me to not have flair number one anymore. Right. Like, yeah, I I hear, I hear you. Yeah. Like at this point and Danielson really to me is like, is the, is the number one, like I said, June top 10 with is without a question. When I look at like some of that stuff, when I like think about some of the people that I had, you know, and again, it like that does have to do with, you know, the time period and uh, having continuing to produce at the level that he has. It's been 10 years and and a lot of the people in my top 10 did not do anything in the past 10 years compared to what Akiyama has done in the past 10 years. So he's definitely continued to build that resume. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this for the record, Brian will be no lower than three for me. I am not sure, a denier sure, 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 sure. or anything. No, like no, 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 no. And that's and that's fine. <laughs> I don't expect everyone to be Brian number one. You know, you know, yeah. it's it's not a purity test necessarily. We're almost getting there. It's turning into the cult of Brian. But <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 uh, we'll be there by 2026. Don't yeah, worry. Exactly. Um. All right. Do you want to talk about this uh, heavyweight tag team match that really? Yeah. You know, like you said, didn't need to be here. I, I kind of hated it, actually. Uh, I thought it was yeah. really bad. I um, like seven, I, 17 I liked, minutes. Come yeah. on. It was too long. I liked getting to see Sakamoto mix it up with uh, Takeshita and Naya. I didn't necessarily need much of it. Takeshita really did not play a huge factor and felt like he disappeared a ton. RSP is... I hate to say this because this is a guy that I like and I I think I know plenty of people who are good friends with him and he's got his backyard wrestling cred and all of this stuff, but I just, I cannot fucking do it with this guy. The, the, the stuff I really enjoyed what he was doing in GCW with the 440 stable and the heel work and all that stuff. But like, it's just such a major step back for him to show up here in DDT and be doing like almost doing like a tribute act to himself 
trying to pull off spots and, and <laughs> things that he, put it. he used to do that were it was interesting and it's like brother you're like you are so out of shape and so uninteresting at this point that it really comes across like again cosplaying your own fucking self and trying to cap and it's like you have something better in you but again in ddt they don't want him to play that heel character and do what he was doing because he's not going to be a major focus and he would have to be a top of the line heel to be able to do that here and, and that's not the case so to me like you said 17 minutes nearly 20 minutes to get a couple interesting spots with sakamoto and, and Takeshita and like a decent little naya sakamoto thing in there is not worth it but I, I right, the know, whole that's point, just me. the whole point was to get Naya over, right? right. Like the oh, he's beaten the you know Sekimoto obviously has so much credibility and and uh, and you know RSP is you know visually huge and is uh, you know the finish is him backdropping uh, RSP, which is you know at least but I don't even think it looked that good, you know, because because Ricky can't really get up for it and and Naya is not like deadlifting the guy, so I don't know, I I I I, I think. He looked like shit, really. Uh, right. uh, Ricky, I agree with you. It's just like, man, this is sad. Uh, it was no good. And Sekimoto was just getting a paycheck, which like good for him. Uh, and and uh, Takeshita, like, why would you book him in this match? Like it now, like I, I get that he's a special waste. attraction, right? Like, why fly him over and book him in this? Like, like the, it, yeah. you should have given him Masada on this show. That would have done so much more for for Masada and for for Takeshita than than this. So. Like if he's going to be a special attraction now, or book him against Naya, have Naya pin him. Like that, that would get way more, you way more for Naya than than what this was. So, at the yeah. end of the day, I I remain very Naya skeptical. Um, it is very obvious that he's going to be the challenger for uh, Judgment, which is taking place at Cork and Hall this year, which I think is really cool. Uh, they used to do that a long, long time ago, and it, I think it's cool that it's going to happen again. Uh, yeah. and it's going to be a five-hour show, which is less cool, but. Uh, still give me five hours in K Hall over five hours at where anywhere else. Um, but yeah, like he beat Higuchi in the Do, so like it's very clear that he's uh he's going to be the challenger. Uh, he's going to lose. Uh, you don't win the KOD title in your first attempt if you are uh, a young guy on the roster, and his value. So I guess his grandfather is like super duper famous, like like mainstream famous. Um, and so having him on the roster is good. From that perspective, uh, you know, it, and uh, I guess uh, his his grandfather was like a super famous sumo, yeah. Uh, yeah. who was a who was the the Yokozuna at one point, yeah, um, huge deal back in the sixties. So, yeah, so yeah. so like it's clearly worth having him around, um, and and for him to put over Higuchi, I think is is useful. But I'm not thrilled about getting months of buildup of that. He's definitely functional now. And like a year or two ago, he was not functional at all. Do you remember the match he had with Hideki Suzuki where he just kind of got embarrassed yes, and Hideki yes, like yes, beat yes, the yes. shit out of him? Yeah. And it was almost it was almost uncomfortable. Um, yeah, we're, but that we're was... well beyond that now. Uh, but I still the, the kid just does not have the juice, man. He is not a main event talent. Uh, he's he's uh, what's the what's the phrase all the, the online people are using these days A Nepo baby. Yeah, right. he he is definitely a nepo baby, and you mentioned his dad or his grandfather, but his father was also a top level sumo as well. Okay, so he's a third generation sumo who who has so his double yeah, fail son. Yeah, basically, he's a he's a nepo grandson. He's a you know he's a 
Elliot, he's not Elliot Kazan's son. He's the you know the third generation or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's definitely uh, but again, like you talked about, like that obviously that was kind of peak Suzuki being a shithead and like I, I don't <laughs> know if that's ever ended. Asshole. I don't know if that's ever ended really, but there was definitely Hideki Suzuki like reign of terror where people were booking him and and he was eating everyone up and refusing to job, which is like I'm into it, you know. Like I like I love <laughs> Hideki cool. Suzuki. Yeah, yeah. I think he's so cool. I think that he's great, and I love his wrestling style. He's a bit like one of the last living Billy Robinson disciples, like actual students directly of Billy Billy Robinson, which I respect because of like you know I like the Snake Pit. Uh, you know, Shayna Baszler obviously also in that conversation, which I think is really awesome that she's literally still employed by WWE, which is nuts at this point because. I just figured that they would have fucking fired her. I mean, being friends with Rhonda has really paid out for her. That um, is the top- reason yeah. she's still around because yeah. she's uh, cornering Rhonda now. But I mean, you can't argue the fact that she's not like great. She is like a really great wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, but you know, like I, I'm a big snake pit fan. You talked about like, she might be like the, well, go ahead. I think I'd probably call her the fourth best wrestler, women's wrestler that WWE employs. They've got a lot of good ones, but yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, but but no, still outstanding. No, and I mean that's that's a fourth is still really good at this point. Especially even with Mercedes Monet showing up at uh at the wrestle, you know, at the Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, uh, she's still the WWE. Yeah, just, was, they still employ just good wrestlers. Io Shirai, Bailey, and and Bianca. I think would probably be the only three I I would take. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. Um, you know, Nixon if she can stay healthy is really good, but you know. I don't know. I would still yeah, probably D- have D- Shana Dakota as well. And of, of course, of course yeah. they had the number two match of the year. Yeah. Uh, and obviously ago, so. Dakota and Shana are, are uh, very close friends. As we say, they're roommates um, in the business, <laughs> in the business of, uh, you know, homosexual love. We call that being roommates. Um, but, uh, but yeah, either way, this tag team match, we talk about homosexual love, uh, car noir. <laughs> and, we're going uh, really into the lore. Daisuke Sasaki, uh, they should do the, you know, Carnoir and um, Ilya Dragunov like storyline between those two. I think it would be like done pretty well. They could do some hardcore matches. All that would be very fun. Um, yeah, they had some chemistry. Match- they definitely. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 A romantic chemistry there. I saw it. Yeah. This four way. It was interesting because Mal loves to um, to perv out and be an Anglophile. It's very funny that Mao is like the the. <laughs> Brittard of the fucking like the DDT scene, but he loves this I shit. Hate, I hate him so much. He's so he did none of it here. He's like this he, is the he funny won thing. with one though. He yeah. won with it. Yeah, that was did. the only time he did it. Was the finishing move. Yeah, the finishing move was like World of Sport jackassery. It was like doing the um the <laughs> the human centipede. The dumbest, yeah, it was the dumbest thing that happened on the show with an anal explosion and a tonton pro wrestling match for a title. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, I just—it was very funny because the rest of the match he did—he did was not doing any of that stuff. So you think he would like be nerding out with it, um, with Brooks and Car Noir in here? But no, it was like you said, it was the finish, and uh, I don't know, man. Like Mal, I really want to like Mal. I'm gonna see him. He's on the same show that I'm gonna be seeing the Miu uh, Yamashita and Athena match. Mao is there. My my beautiful baby boy. Um, Shunma is going to be on the show as well. Oh, my son! Yeah, Shunma I love is mine. So 
Yeah, I love adopted him, him years ago. <laughs> it's gonna be so great to finally see him in person. I'm gonna lose my fucking shit. Um, but yeah, I love Shuma. I I've liked Mal for so long, and I've just he's just he's really gone down the dark path for ever since his excursion. Man, yeah, it's like almost it's, it's like four years ago now. Yeah. Well, him and Bailey were tremendous. Yeah. They were so, so good. Yeah. And it looked like Mal was really going to get pushed. Like, like it kind of felt like everyone's like, oh, this guy in DDT is the next Ibushi. But like for a while there, it felt like he had the same sort of like brain sickness. You know what I mean? Like in a good way uh, that he was just absolutely insane. And then he went over to England for like six weeks and came back as like a, a thousand times worse wrestler. And like he got in worse shape, too. And yeah. I don't know. He's just, he's just, uh, I've been out on him for a few years now. Yeah, um, I, I actually thought this match was better than I expected. Like it had, it had good energy. Um, I, I don't know why it was the semi main event. It felt more like an opener, uh, than the, the second to the top match. Um, but yeah, Mal, I, I don't know. And now they're tag champions, I guess, so they can take the belts to the States. Um, good for Shunma, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was it's a oh. nothing match i mean it, it didn't mean anything so uh, i don't get why it was on the card in this position well that'll be cool if they have the titles with them when they come to the yes show yes they will yeah, yeah that, that was win. the i would think that was the whole point of them winning it well they're um, both booked in singles matches i think they're both booked in singles matches on the show but they obviously okay. didn't win the tag team titles it's weird because it's like obviously wrestlemania is in la in a couple months but this right. show was in January, so I'm like, are these are all the DDT or or you know, cyber agent wrestlers that are going to be on this show in January? Are they staying in America for like three months? I don't think so. I wouldn't I think, think so, right? I would think that they would fly yeah. back and forth, but but it it's kind of weird to just like this random, like West Coast indie is booking all of these DDT wrestlers or again I should say cyber agent wrestlers like for no fucking reason in the middle of January. I don't know. Either way, um, main event. This is what we all came here for. Can Evan disappointing. Yeah. But, mildly, but, mildly disappointing. But should we have seen it coming? Yeah. Because here's the I thing. So. On, on paper, this is, in your brain, you see these two names and you love them and you think this is going to be great. But on paper, when you really take it apart, it's not a good matchup. They're both baby faces. They're both great sellers. You know what I mean? Like, there's not. No, I, I, I don't know, because Higuchi is such a great monster and he has been willing to throw people around like he he threw Takeshita around in their title match and kind That's of put Takeshita true. underneath him. And and when these two have had incredible encounters in tag matches before uh, the eruption yeah. Nautilus double shot, that legendary sort of in our circle, yeah. uh, Corican show yeah, yeah, yeah. where Ueno, you know gets knocked out and then has to work the tag title match like woozy and all that. And Higuchi is just on that night. He was just on another level, just throwing them around huge it's, lariats, dude. huge chops. I mean, you know, he is so good at that. They because he is so established as the ace now, they could have easily leaned into that and just had Higuchi brutalize him. Yeah. And yeah. and th that was the match I wanted to see. But they they kind of went another way where they were like, no, we've got to have a classic back and forth title match. Every match is a classic back and forth title match. Do something different. Do something interesting. Well, 
I refuse well, to accept that these two guys are, are they're so talented. They could have easily had a better match than they had here. And it wasn't bad. It was a well-executed classic title match. But I I I just wanted to see something a little bit more interesting. And the clap crowd certainly heard it big time. Uh with a guy like Ueno, you really want the crowd behind him. And Higuchi too, you want to hear their emotion. And to not have that is a, a big loss. Okay. So I agree with everything there, especially when you talked about that back-to-back the eruption Nautilus night. Um, and I was just thinking, imagine telling me that night, because I actually, it was one of the rare nights where I actually caught that live, um, which is like unheard of for me. Um, <laughs> because I do not stay up for anything. Even on the West well, Coast. DDT where, starts like, at like, DDT starts at like 6.30 in California. You have no excuse. I know. Even <laughs> even the fact that it's like early for me, earlier for me, I just, I refuse. But, um, but I caught that night live and it was so fucking epic. But if I could go back and tell that person that Higuchi was going to be the ace of the company within a year from then, I would have yeah, not believed totally. it. Because at that time, totally. it did not feel like it was ever going to happen for him. Yep. So it's so crazy to think back on that, as you mentioned it. But but you talked about, like, it doesn't always need to be back and forth and you can have... But Higuchi has been doing that. So it's not even yeah. it's not even to say that it, it can be that way, right? Because it is being that way. Higuchi is kind of retooling the concept of what the champion can be and what he can do. He's having dominant performances. It was just this. Look was at what not... he did to Endo. Yeah. He absolutely obliterated Endo for 25 minutes. Endo got like four minutes of offense in that match. And it yeah. was awesome. It's like, this is not, this was just not the match for it to go 50 50, but I understand why they wanted to. Right? Like, I get, I kind of get why they wanted to do this, but even the, like, the, the, um, Sasat, or, ah, Oh my god, Sakaguchi match was like was not a epic like back and forth match, right? It had a, a totally different story. The yeah. Aoki match had a totally different story where yes, Higuchi was weak skinned and he sold more, but that was because he was like he was being cashed in on and all this, but he was still right, insanely that- dominant. Well, that's why it's that's why it's Higuchi is so amazing as a champion because he can have you you know, he can he can believably be bigger and stronger and cooler than the guy who just signed a full time contract with AEW and is blowing up among Western fans. But then two weeks later, he can work underneath like a small shooty guy, and yeah. you know you're like you're gripped with mortal you know fear that this guy is in so much peril. Because he's so, so, so yeah. versatile. And he's... Ueno, for as talented as he is, is not. He fits one pretty specific role. And so there was a way for this to go, and I just didn't think they went there properly. No, and I agree with you. Yeah, but I just, I think, I agree with you. I just, I think I just slightly disagree with the way you were framing it there. Because, like, Ueno has, or not Ueno. Higuchi has been showing he's not been sticking to this stereotype. This is honestly no, the no, first I, I match. Yeah, yeah, I meant that yeah. every, every title match in Japan is one of these right, matches. Right, 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 right. Like, yeah. it, the, the, that's why I like DDT is because they're going to give me something, even in the main event, typically that is different. And over the last few years, I've noticed a real trend. I think since they formed Cyberfight, really, and this coincided with the pandemic, so I don't know how much this would have had to do with it, but 
But over the last three years or so, their title matches have become more, for lack of a better term, bushy roadie. Right. And I don't right. like right. that. Right. Uh, I, I think that's so, like, if I want that, I'll watch New Japan. I, I don't want DDT to be well, aping New Japan to compete with them. Well, I want well, them to be different. Yeah. I would say I don't watch New Japan, right? Like that's the yeah, point. exactly. Yeah, I don't because exactly. I don't want that. Yeah, exactly. I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. I don't exactly. want those matches. Uh, exactly. You know, and so... it, this was the wrong time to do it. I think that they were trying. I think the right place to do it would have been Hiroshima, like you were talking about. I think that this should have been. This should have fell well, or in line. They're going to do it with but... Hino as the next challenger. That's the time to do it. Do a monster sure, off. Sure. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Do the monster mash. That would work definitely. Um, but yeah. I just I I agree with you in a lot of ways, and I think I I guess we agree. I just I took what you were saying to mean well, like I did you not did you like it? Because I still liked no. it. I yeah okay. no 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 it was great, and there were some details there were some details that I thought were fantastic. Like yeah, uh, when they were jockeying for the the vertical suplex, and the amount of effort that it took for he for uh, UNO to get him over. But like yeah. he still did. I that was fucking amazing. That was like well, that's that was that's one of those the stuff moments, you know? was incredible at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other like the, the the visual brutalization of Ueno was like the best part of the match. Like his his chest getting roughed up. He had like a cut on his back yes. somehow. Um, and he just he looked beat to shit. Uh, even though the match wasn't telling me that that was happening. And so, like, he was still super sympathetic at the end, and like, he's just such a charming wrestler. Like when he when he he did the ricochet spot where he flipped out of the choke slam and did the wink, yeah. but like ricochet yeah. comes off as an asshole, and Yuki Ueno comes off as like ah you you yeah. little you know like like it's just I don't know it's he's great, he's amazing. The only thing it was missing when it comes to that that peak, like Ueno charm as you talked about like that you 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 see the damage come across him but he doesn't he sells it but he doesn't sell it you know what I, if, if that makes sense it's like yeah you can tell that it's hurting but you can also tell that he doesn't want to admit that it's hurting which really works the only thing that yeah. was missing was that his nose getting busted open you know like that's the that's the oh, that would have been so good yeah that's what we needed because so many times in matches his nose gets busted open and you see the blood trickle down and that's really i think that would have put it over the top for exactly what you were talking about where it is like that we see the damage accumulating on his chest on his body on his like on his hair as he's moving his gear everything's getting you know darkened and he's getting taken apart and then yeah you went out but again like that's just that's natural and if it doesn't come it doesn't come but like so many of his matches end up with his face getting busted open and that's like <laughs> it adds to it it really does yeah totally and, and I, I will say this too: they put in a real nerd bait thing for the for the for the for the gamers, you know, for the true right. fans, uh, where they had Higuchi win with Yoshimura's throw, setting up the brain claw slam. Yeah, because yeah. the the really cool thing, and I love that they've done this, is that since Nautilus broke up, Ueno has been the guy, right? Like he's been the one that the company is obviously super behind, and yet Yoshimura beats him every single time they wrestle. Which I think Ueno has great. not yeah. beaten Yoshimura once. And man, if I could have any title match for Higuchi, it would be Yoshimura. Uh, I, I want that so badly. I want him to get healthy. I want them to have a match on a huge show with the cheering crowd, please. Um, I think would be great. But that that really popped me as a as someone who who pays close attention to it. I, I felt my nerd uh, impulses 
scratched and and pleased by that yeah yes of course of course that's a fantastic little detail it's you know it's always fun to say that like oh it's it's so subtle but it's like you know it's wrestling subtle so it's not you know it's no like, it was not it's it really was not subtle. Your head. yeah but it's great if you had paid attention a small amount then you would have, yeah. you, would have gotten you, you get it, it and but... you love it the connection between these two with yoshimura and, and just what you talked about and i love it i i am such a nerd for the the guy who's got his number thing, you know, I, I mentioned it even yeah. earlier on the podcast with, a, with another feud. I love the, like this guy is obviously, you know, is the top guy and he's the next star and all this stuff. But Yoshimura, even if you think like, Oh, he's like, you know, number two, he's got his number. He just can't beat him. And I love that. That is such a great detail. And as you, a fan of like, you know, shoot sports, you know that that's true. And then happens in combat sports too. There's just like, Oh yeah. Be a guy who's so great. And he's amazing. Like one of a, a really obvious one is obviously like a fucking Daniel Cormier and uh, John Jones. Like obviously John Jones was great and he was a top level challenger and all this, but so was Cormier and Cormier was amazing and he just couldn't beat him. There was just nothing he could do. He could beat everybody else, but he couldn't beat John Jones. And you know that that works yep. in sports too. Like in real sports, there's just be like, this team is amazing, but there's one team that just has their fucking number. And it just, it actually sometimes works out that way. Yeah, it's just and, and the fact that Yoshimura is now allied with Higuchi and right. it's just the three of them are the future of the promotion. Uh, you know, I, I actually I really think Tetsuya Endo even he's he's not even 30 or he's barely 30. He feels like old news like right. Higuchi, Yoshimura and Ueno feel like the lifeblood of DDT for the next five years. Yoshimura has been injury prone. He had the neck thing a few years ago. He's out now. Um, so I, I hope that he can stay healthy. But uh, the three of them, to me, forms as good a core as, as you're going to find in Japanese wrestling. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, one other detail, a slight little detail, was uh, we talked about it, Shunma on the outside cheering for cheering for our, our champion here on his way out. Did you notice Shunma had a, a vest and bow tie on? I did. Ring? Adorable. So Shunma, Shunma has to join Pheromones for a month. No. Because... Because he took the fall in their match, so I think it might have had something to do with that. That would um, make sense. But, I just thought yeah. that he was adorable. Uh, I just thought that he was very well... cute and dapper on the outside. <laughs> so I'm going to call him out because I'm going to see him in a couple weeks. If he's not wearing a zero back bikini on the show, I'm going to fucking say, "What the fuck is going on, man?" <laughs> so it was originally supposed to be a day. Then I read that it was going to be a month. Uh, I'll check back and confirm with you. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, um, Shunma has to join pheromones. That's terrible because it's the most beautiful, <laughs> my most beautiful pure boy having to join. It's my the son, how do you think I feel? Yeah. Um. All right, Evan. Well, that's the end. I don't know if there's any other things you wanted to hit on before we head out. Uh, no, or... no, that was about all of it. I, I just, I, I wish the show was a oh, little better. I guess uh, the post match, but... you said Hino comes out and he challenges. Yeah. Higuchi, but yeah. Either way. Uh, well, yeah, exciting. it's just another that's. Hino is such a perfect fit for like, like it would. It's very hard to find a believable monster for Higuchi to defend against. Hino is like the one guy they have that is. Uh, they had a thirty-minute draw on the Dio where they did like a Kobashi Sasaki style chop battle for like most of the match, uh, which you know can when done tastefully is uh, you know once in a while can be fun. Uh, they're probably going to do it again. Uh, my lizard brain will enjoy it, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, fantastic. Very much. I agree with you. Looking forward to it. Um, 
either way, I don't know. Uh, is there anything else you want to, uh, like, plug, anything like that before we head out? No, no, not at all. I just, uh, you know, this is a kind of an underground hobby of mine. Uh, so I always enjoy talking with you, Tim, and uh, yeah, yeah. and Thanks. appreciate you having me on. I, I'd love to talk about DDT with another, you know, person who's kind of into the promotion. And uh, Tetsuya Endo, start cutting. <laughs> start flipping again. Yeah. Come back to me. Please. I hate this so much. All right. Well, we thought we were over, but we're not. We continue to be, um, well, we were hand workers' rights. Does that sound okay to you, Jay? Yeah, it sounds fine to me. Do you want to be something else for us? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. No? no, you don't want to be, uh, I was going to say the delegation. Um, uh, either way, we will come in here because we were going to do we were going to review these two shows with me and evan and quentin and evan didn't watch the stardom show and uh of course i called in the heavy hitter our stardom uh correspondent or stardom representative in the jml jay how you doing tonight i'm doing okay a little little tired because i've been watching yeah. non-stop wrestling for the last five days <laughs> thank you i appreciate it um did you watch wrestle kingdom i did the only thing i the only thing is i fell asleep during okay. um okada versus jay white Perfect. so the, i mean if you're if you're if you don't fall asleep during versus or during okada versus jay white were you really watching wrestle kingdom right i mean that is a snoozer of a no um i don't <laughs> i do not care about watching Wrestle Kingdom. We talked about it before you popped on here. Me and Evan mentioned like the Mercedes Monet or what is, God, what are they calling her? I didn't even pay attention it's to Mercedes Monet. Yeah, That's what they're Mercedes calling Monet. Yeah. Mercedes Monet segment after the sub ten minute match that's like are you fucking kidding it's me? It's not even the yeah, it's not even it's almost Come sub on. five minutes. Um yeah. Uh, it's a I had a lot joke. of. <laughs> um, it... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had a lot of, a lot of things going through my mind uh, when I saw that. Um, I was afraid to tweet it out because. Um... Well, this is a safe space, so. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I, I think if people know me, know I'm a big Sasha Banks fan of course um i've always enjoyed her career i always thought she was the best out of the horsewomen and i always thought as a star wwe should have pushed her but this whole thing this presentation just it it didn't work and it's i mean granted new japan is bad with debuts um, just remembering Okada's debut at the Dome, right, like right, when he right. came back from excursion. Um, I almost forgot about El Desperado, that awkward. Um, oh, that was fucking dog shit. Yeah. Yeah, with him and Ibushi. That was awkward. Um, AJ Styles, I mean, he did it okay. It's just the crowd just didn't know who he was. Right. Um, the Jay White one, when he came back, I think a lot of Western fans were, were hyped, but the crowd was just like, no, they were kind of uh, like, like what's going on. 
Do you remember so, that? Because when the when the Jay White um, vignettes were being played, people thought that that was going to be Chris Brooks. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was not great. <laughs> that was not like done super well where people were expecting something big and it was Jay White, you know, like it was Chris, they people were thinking maybe it was Chris Brooks. Um and then you didn't mention it yet but Sonata, do you remember Sonata's debut? Like that was fucking terrible. It was awkward and weird. Like they're just Was not that in the middle like in the middle of like yeah. um the middle of the Naito Okada match at Sumo yeah. Hall. Yeah. And he yeah, showed up and he was yeah. wearing a mask and no one knew what the fuck was going on. It was super confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So we just pretty laid out like New Japan's really bad at modern New Japan is really bad at debuts, but just this one just kind of uh it just it, it didn't I don't say it didn't work for me because it just feels like, oh, it's, I'm in my feelings. It's just like something, something wasn't right with, with everything. It wasn't, it was, it was just weird how, first of all, the match um, with Kyrie and Tam, like I, I sent a tweet out and it kind of got some traction with some people, you know, saying, pleading people to like actually watch that match, even though it was second on the card that, um, it's gonna. It's a really good match on paper with Tam and Kyrie, you know. And up to this point, New Japan has done pretty well with letting you know match times and all that stuff with the women on their shows up up until now. And um, just to go, I, I know people are saying, well, if you break each match down, every match basically had at least 10 minutes except for this one which when you have the uh the mercedes monet entrance yeah you add that into the actual match that's your 12 minute segment but <sighs> i was just so disappointed because this is the shortest women's match ever since the bucci road purchase of stardom the shortest shortest um match it's what 547 it was the shortest match in their in their short history with dealing with women's dealing with stardom and women's wrestling like i had to i looked it up this morning i had to go to the royal quest um day one it was a tag with ava white and jazzy gabbard i think charlie morgan and someone else um that was like six minutes but like i was i was amazed I was amazed, like Rumble and Forty Fourth Street, like Waka and Mina versus Tiara yeah, James yeah. and Kylie Ray. That got twelve minutes. That and like, that felt like that was like quick. That was like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, like any like any of the Stardom matches that have been featured on a New Japan show, at least at least got nine minutes of of time. That's like the the least amount. Um, and this just felt like a throwaway. I don't want to see dynamite, just like a random SmackDown match. Um, and you're trying yeah. to build this women IWGP women's champion. Yeah, yeah. This IWGP women's championship. Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't like it. I mean, she got a reaction when she was coming out, but um I don't know. It was well, I do know. The thing is is that she came out and, you know, 
the botch I could I could forgive, even though you sure. gotta tighten that up and it's like you've been going around training in Mexico, whatever, learning. It's new a moves. stupid move. It's a stupid move. Right? Am I right? Yeah. 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 And a lot of people were, were blaming Kyrie for not taking it well. It's like, listen, she just rust she just she had to go wrestle uh two nights before and wrestle wrestle this, like at least I would think they would have gone gone through it like what what was going to happen but maybe not like because yeah. um everybody in new japan was so weird about so secretive about what if she was going to be on the show right. i could see a possibility that they kept her away from everyone yeah they didn't so, want mercedes to get in even get in the ring right yeah because the picture yeah. a picture of her in the ring could leak you know yeah yeah and it's it's weird because like you could easily sneak her into the stardom the stardom um dojo that's in um I forgot what city it's in, but it's not far. And you could like sneak her in and just go go have her do stuff there. Like but I saw videos instead of like that, I saw videos leak of her celebrating New Year's and being at birthday parties in Japan. So Right, right, right. Just so it's just so weird and like and then she cut that promo and it was just like Ugh. It felt like I was watching SmackDown, and yeah. and then and some people were like, "Well, the press conference, it, it, oh, that she was a lot better at the press conference." Not really. She was um, the one thing that irked me was seeing women's division, and I was just like, "No, it's not the it's not a women's division. Even though it's a women's championship, it's not the women's division in New Japan. Like, it's not right. like and." At the press conference she's calling out Aja Kong. Like, God bless um Issa. Issa is the photographer for um her wrestling illustrate because um Mercedes was cutting the was cutting the promo and, and she was asking questions. None of the Japanese media was gonna ask any of the question any questions. They were gonna let her go. They looked like they were just like kind of blindsided by it. Right, right. Which I find it hard to believe. It's but crazy, yeah, because we've heard all about it. For weeks mm-hmm. now, at this point, we've all known that this was coming. Yeah, yeah. And usually, when when somebody debuts, even like a a, a foreign a foreign foreigner comes in, they'll have they'll have the interpreter there um, doing questions. It looked like nobody was going to ask any questions. Thank God, Issa um, from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I know Kevin Kelly. Uh, went on his rant it was kind of funny about pro wrestling illustrated but from what i've known and, and people know her she's she's a real sweetheart and um real nice nice person so she just stepped in and started asking questions and she's just talking about face Aja kong and gonna retire Manam Toyota if she ever comes out of retirement and which is like just kind of crazy and then um she mentioned um azm which i think we've talked about before that's like the the signifier you don't watch the product because it's a zoom right right (laughs) right and 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 then she said it's like kyo that's the new one uh yeah for dragon gate when people say kyo it's like okay no yeah (laughs) okay and yeah yeah and and then she's like um she wanted to face 
not my you, but Miyu. And people were confused. They were like, she's talking about Miyu Amashita from Tokyo Joshi Pro? Because unless she leaves Tokyo Joshi Pro, that's never going to happen because um, Stardom hates Tokyo Joshi Pro. And they were saying, oh, what about Miyu Yamazaki? It's like, Amazaki, it's like, she's a rookie. So what is she, what is she talking about? It was kind of like almost unhinged. And um, I know the, th- the thing that gives, gives me, it worries me, but also there's another side that's like, all right, she's going to do well in the box office. I know she's going to, they're doing this, they're pushing it for, for Battle of the Valley. And that's going to, it's like 2000 seat venue and it's easily going to sell out, but um, sure. And Kyrie's a good, Kyrie's a good opponent, but um, what's going to happen after that? Because there's a bunch of like she's got to tighten up because there's a bunch of women on that starting roster that are hungry and <laughs> proverbial killers. Like I just, you know, watching Dream oh, Queen done, get it's eaten like the fucking live, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just watching Dream Queen them. It's like. All these, all these women are hungry to, and they have chips on their shoulders. Like they're, they want to make it big, and they're, they're, they've bought in, and it's because they've gone through. Like, I mean, all rosters in wrestling have gone through stuff, but I mean, for the stuff they've gone through with COVID and people retiring, people leaving, and then the death of Hana, it's just, it seems like they're a tight-knit group and they trust just elevate themselves to another level in terms of entering work and if sasha mercedes doesn't live up to that it's going to be it's not going to be pretty in terms of what even even i would say the western fans but even domestic fans they're just not going to react the way she thinks they're going to and I just hope that she, I hope that, you know, it works out, but I could see it turning really, really bad, really really quickly. Um, Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's (laughs) definitely, it's definitely scary because it's like, this is, like you said, this is a roster full of fucking killers. This is a roster full of shooters. This is a roster full of people who can really fucking like get it done in the ring like not even just like you know i'm not going to say people are going to shoot on her or be unprofessional or whatever but they are not going to fucking hold her hand and walk her through this shit you've got a roster full of really talented people who are hungry for attention and really deserve it and this company continues to grow at the pace that it is growing and you know i've said this an, a, a number of times but maybe i should like scream it louder so everyone hears me Stardom is the number two company in Japan without a fucking question. And the, yeah. with the rate that they're growing and the attention that they're getting, and I'm sorry, like, you know, Mercedes Monet is a very big name, but the rest of these motherfuckers have been growing and building and they, the sky is the limit as far as they're concerned. There's no mm-hmm. reason why they need to like bow down to her because at some point they could all be bigger than her. They've all been building beyond that, and they don't necessarily need to, you know, oh, thanks for the house. You know, like, I'm sorry, this house is building. We are all making a name for ourselves, 
and you need need to get in here and fucking make this work. And she really wants to keep up, but like, can you imagine? Okay. Obviously, the 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 way that things are looking and the way that they're building is you're talking about Kari versus Sasha. And they both <laughs> worked in WWE, and that feels like an okay match. But the show that we're going to review here, the main event is Shuri versus Julia, which, like, Shuri, I almost think Sasha would have been better off having a match with Shuri. Really. Yeah. Because yeah. Julia is fucking brutal. And we'll talk about it in the main event. But Julia is fucking brutal. And the way that she works is full contact. And Sasha has a history of injuries. And Sasha has a history of being fragile. And can you think of a match between Julia and Sasha that does not, um, Mercedes, that does not end up with Mercedes in a broken heap? Like, (laughs) Julia is fucking violent. She's aggressive. And she is the top star of this company. And Mercedes can think that she's a big name and she's protected and all this. But do you think that Julia is going to hold back when it comes to like, is she going to walk on eggshells for Mercedes? Like, think about that matchup and think about how that is the worst possible matchup for someone like Mercedes, because Julia is younger. She's got the same kind of star aura. She's, just as attractive she's just as good looking she's got the same all of that stuff on top of the fact that julia is the real deal when you get into the ring with julia she is going to fuck you up and i just do i just really do not see someone with the history that mercedes has faring super well with someone like julia am i wrong no no because with julia she is i don't know if they ever touched this year but but Julia, she's poised to have a big, big year. And yeah, like when she came into the company, it was kind of rough for her. Um, you know, with everything surrounding her with the ice ribbon jump, just quitting in the middle of the night and just jumping the storm. But she, I've said it before, she made the right choice, but she's really figured it out. Whereas, you know, there was times where she wanted to, um, almost like cosplay of Sonata and just do like submission stuff. But she's learned like she's a brawler and she works well doing brawls and things of that nature. She they haven't done full crowd brawling um anymore, you know, because of COVID, but um just the brutal matches and just taking it to another level. She there's a reason why she wants to she's taken on the mantle of the new dangerous queen and all that yeah. stuff. It's and it's not like I'm um, dealing with the injuries like Hokuto did. It's like no, we're I'm fuck I'm fucking you up. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. just like I'm just remembering the the in the five star Grand Prix. Just and I know it was for performance stake, but um, just um, the sheer silence that the crowd had. I know it's clap crowds, but it was kind of like they were off put when she was facing that support, just beating her. Yeah. Um, you know, it's for storyline purposes, but it was just, um, you know, Julia, Julia could do that. And, um, she's just got a relentless, um, style and it's not like, you know, Minami Toyota or anything like that. It's just like, 
it's keep coming because I just watched I rewatched the match um, before we got on the call. And I was just like, it's like, you, it's hard, like, like it's it's hard to like. She has almost has trouble like breathing out between everything. Like, yeah, but it's not like like a selling like she's bad at selling or anything. It's just, um, it's just it's just a relentless pace, and you just got to keep up and. I don't know what Sasha with um you know she's used to that WWE style of pacing. I don't know if it's it's gonna work in terms of like someone like like a Julia, because I remember I was talking to someone like um from last year's five star Grand Prix, it was the second night, it was her versus Mayu. And I said like it's I, I told the person I was like that match was such a relentless pace that I think it would blow people's minds if there was if that match ever made to like WWE programming, like two women just going at it for twenty straight minutes in that pace that Julia and Mayu were were coming with, and um, and it's not just her; it's um, it's Utami, it's um, you know Shuri and you know Micah and Emeka. Um, yeah, all can go, and then you got Susie Suzuki who's going to challenge. Who's going to challenge um, Julia um, next month? Um, Suzu, who's only twenty years old, is just it's just a prodigy, but also has you know has that that it factor and works her own style too, and she can work death matches, so she has a dramatic flair for herself, and <laughs> then you have Starlight Kid and. Yeah. It, the, the list goes on and on like yeah. like like i'm serious like they could run her out the gym the proverbial yeah. run her out the gym like that's it's it, yeah yeah i'm just i'm sorry like you know i love sasha i love mercedes we've talked about it we talked about it recently where i talked about that she could be like a new hulk hogan-esque figure for the level of star that she is like and the the kind of fans that she can bring with her to this but like yeah it's like it's a whole nother world when you bring those fans from you know sasha Banks stands who are, can can range from like weirdos to children and you bring them in and this is the first time they're seeing like legit josie shit and then you start like exposing them to this and they're like oh my god i didn't know wrestling could be like this you know like and that's mm-hmm. when you start really talking about the shit but like can she keep up with it because she does not have a history of being i hate to say it because she's fragile you know like that's just it's just true i love sasha i have i've been a huge fan of hers for a long time one of my top wrestlers honestly probably on my top list of wrestlers who i want to see live that I've never seen because I'm just such a big fan of hers. But, but like, she's fragile. She's kind of soft. And that's not necessarily the kind of, like, wrestler that I'm usually a big fan of. I just got done talking with Evan about that with Endo, where it's like Paper Tiger. I don't like people who are soft like that. I like, you know, tough guys. And uh, we'll see. We'll see where we end up with her. But, like, yeah, it's just like, this is a lot to go on. And you talked about it. What did she call out? Who did she say she wants to wrestle? She talked about the... Uh, Mayu, Miyu Yamashita, and she talked about mm-hmm. Azumi and the high speed title match Azumi versus uh, uh, Shimizu. Um, insane, oh, <laughs> insane yeah. to think about Sasha Mercedes keeping up with this match. 
And this is not just spot, spot, spot. This is this was that high speed title match that also has like holds, right? There was still like there was actually also wrestling holds in here, but the pace that they were keeping and the way that they were working in between the holds and in between everything, like this was nuts. Jay, what did you think yeah, about the match? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a good match to open the show um, against Akari Shimizu. And um, I, I listened to um, James Boyd. He uh, he was there actually at the show, um, watch, watching the show. He said, like, as fast as you think Azumi is, she is just as fast in person. So you, you and it's probably, it probably seemed faster just the way she she works. Um, I like the, I like the match. It was like one hiccup where with the Karishimizu where she like got caught up in the ropes trying to like actually chase Azumi. Like <laughs> so, um, but I thought it was a really, really good opener um yeah. to start it off. Um insane. <laughs> not as good as the, the rest of her title reign, but yeah. Um it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, the, the high speed title is tough to even compare to anything else. It's just it's nuts. And Azumi is really becoming like just it when it comes to this high speed title she's just like the epitome of what the title is she's so good at this um fallout up it's the it's a, a preview of the triangle dory they're doing a trios tournament um hanan uh mayu ibatani and momokogo versus hazuki uh, or i guess i should say it's a uh, giant saya versus what is it Double crazy. What is the, what's the full name of the tag uh, team? Uh, double Fukuoka crazy, but yeah, double their Fukuoka. trio's name is called Classmates. Classmates. Okay. Um, yeah. I love the Classmates team. Their vibe together is so great. Um, like really fantastic. Obviously, I love uh, the Fukuoka double crazy team. I think that they're, they're amazing together. They have just the best chemistry. Hazuki. Obviously, I think that there is a super high ceiling for Hazuki. Uh, and Kaguya, she's really insanely talented and really um, infectiously charismatic. And, you know, giant <laughs> Saya, natural. But great stuff here. I thought that uh, Hanan looked really good here, um, the, holding up her end of things. Momokogo, I just, I can't help but just, like, really enjoy her. In general, if she's not necessarily the best wrestler in the world, and obviously Mayu is Mayu, but yeah, Jay, what did you think? Um, yeah, I, I like this as a preview. Um, I think you know it was it was a really good match. Um, the only thing is is that at the end, um, there was more subtle teasing of if you haven't watched like um the the goddesses of storm tag league where it was um where momo and, and mayu they were they were a tag team called peach rock yeah. and by the end of the tag league mayu basically almost walked away from momo so and in this match uh mayu uh was giving her giving her side eye looks and, and and didn't shake her hand at the end even though they got the win um it's building to something and yeah. it might be might be building something um that might be related to the next match but um i'm just kind of interested in the dynamic there between the, those two um but but yeah with momokogo um 
I think she's improving. Oh, she's been underrated this past year, and um, I think she's been developing nicely. Um, hopefully, she'll have a a good year in twenty twenty three. Yeah, no, I I I would like to. I would definitely like to see her continue to improve. There's something there. We'll talk about it, like you said, with the next match here. Uh, Mina Shirakawa and uh, Unagi Sayaka versus uh, Mai Sakurai and Thekla. Um, and this is all about Mina returning with her new crew. I don't know. Okay, has this been... Are they officially like part of Cosmic Angels? That would be weird for Cosmic Angels... To have another imprint, you know, they have another uh, reference. Actually, jeez, oh, we talked about imprint, but we'll move on from there. Um, I'll bring this up well, later. But um, well, the thing with them yeah. is, um, she kind of explained it that Mina's still part of Cosmic Angels, um, but Mariah May and Zai Brooks side, they're not. Okay. They're just in her in her little sub fashion called Club Venus. So Okay. And Unagi yeah. is still she's like freelance but related to Cosmic Angels. Yeah, she's still she's still Cosmic Angels. But, but she's you know, not she's not like a stardom contracted wrestler anymore. Um that's what a lot of people think. Um and last I checked this morning, she's still on the she's okay. still on the company pages roster. So okay. so um she's still kind of they're still promoting her. Because I remember with uh with Joe McKeelana and uh that's that's uh that's um yeah. That's who uh what was it? Yeah. All right. Uh sorry. Yeah, I'm blanked. But it was another wrestler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of late for me. It was another wrestler that um, as soon as their contracts came up, they took them off the, the Stardom website. So um, it's a weird situation with Unagi um, going forward. But yeah, she's still with somewhat still with uh, Stardom. Yeah. Um, and- Natsusure. Oh. That's who I was thinking Sure. Okay, yeah. yes. And that name is familiar. Um, I like this match a lot. I thought my Sakurai looked great. Thekla, obviously, phenomenal. I, I really like like Thekla a lot. I think that she's like insanely crisp, really poised, has a ton of charisma. Um, my biggest issue with this match was Mina. Like, I don't, I don't know what they're doing with her here. I thought this was like the opposite of kind of what I wanted. I wanted Mina to come back and just continue to go along the route that she was doing. I didn't necessarily need her to like try to change, you know, like that's, I think that's the thing that like kind of is fucking this up is like, Oh, okay. Like she got injured. She comes back and let's like add something new and do something different but that's not that was not the point. The point was that she's like getting really good and she is very good at what she was doing. And I want to just mm-hmm. continue on with that. You know, I don't necessarily want to like try to like reinvent the wheel here. And that's kind of unfortunately what I feel like they're doing. Or yeah, trying to. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I I personally enjoyed her in this match. Um, just showing up with you know, basically a new makeover. Um, you know, with you know, with the short hair and um, it was even though it was the same gear from the um, Sai Kamatani match, just basically new gear, and then you it add in um May and Brookside. Um, and then you have this sort of breakup at the end with her and Yunagi, um, uh, which was kind of really subtly done well throughout the match. Um, like Yunagi was like basically, you know, you know, trying to help her throughout the match, like not get her face broken or whatever. But um but then after the match, you know, it was like subtle, you know, I, after the match when they 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 raised their hands, um, Mina like kind of snatched it away a little bit and was just like, Oh, what's going on here? And then you have kind of this turn, but it's not really a turn. That's the only thing that that kind of bothers me. It's like it was it was a, a breakup angle, but it wasn't a a full heel turn. So I don't know if Club Venus is heels. Um like they're just in between. Um but um with with that like um i'm not mad at them trying to take a stab at her being a faction leader cuz i i do think eventually this might break off and become something new especially if you're bringing in more foreign wrestlers into the promotion um i don't think it's a bad thing that club venus exists and um there's an existing storyline with wakasukiyama that you know she's she keeps losing and you know tam nakano you know the leader of cosmic angel she's told her that basically she has three months to get a win if she doesn't she'll get kicked out so that could be a landing spot for for waka uh because she speaks english so for them they could in in sometimes with you know we've seen it with with kind of with bullet club in modern times the Japanese wrestlers, they'll speak English as like a heel tactic. And maybe that's might be what's going on with Club Venus because Mina was breaking out in English. And um, I don't know if you saw on the social media um, channels, um, you know, she was, she was doing that half, you know, after the press conference, she's doing half Japanese, half in English. And then um, out of nowhere, she says, Waka, you're the translator now. And it's like what? <laughs> so you you have that, yeah. and then um, whatever it's going on with Mayu and Momo, Momokogo, that could be another thing where Momo can come into the group as well because she speaks English really well. So um, maybe that's a that's a thing there might be forming with 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 Mina in terms of um, getting that group together and maybe the genesis for it. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely understand why you're thinking like uh, it's it's not it's not going to work in terms of just them changing her. Because um, I think if yeah. they left it as her coming back, just being determined, um, just to get the get the white belt and just continue to be in a a really good wrestler, it would be a, a perfectly fine and really good, actually, good storyline for her going forward. Yeah. Um, it's just I'm I'm not mad at if they're trying to take a stab at her, trying to be like trying to elevate her to a faction leader and a and a possible main event star. 
Um, I'm not mad at that, but um, also they could they could have just just made her like her own person and just made her like a you know a star by herself. You know. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I come down on it. So what you're talking about, like she could have continued on as part of um, Cosmic Angels and just had like a little bit more defined character on her own, as you talked about, like being a star by herself. And I just think that it's a weird thing because this was like the Mina, you know, Mina defense force. This podcast was a hundred percent Mina. Like we all really loved her. Me, you and Q all were like big fans and thought that Mina was great, but I hate to say it, but I feel like this is going overboard, (laughs) you know, like this is, too big yeah. and maybe i'm wrong because venus club is not meant to be its own faction but like the idea that mina is going to be like the leader of her own faction and it's not even just like the leader of her own faction but her the leader of her own faction that's all foreigners so she has to like carry the brunt of the 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 japanese side of like the promos and the charisma and all of that you know like that just feels over the top for the level of like quality that she's been because I do think that she's she was she was being underpushed before, but now it feels like this is like going over the top. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they're right, and like we should just like go for it and make Mina be a top star. And we talk yeah. about like Mercedes Monet. Like I'm sorry, but I think that Mina Shirakawa could probably have a pretty solid match with Mercedes Monet. Like compared to the other people we've been talking about. Mina would be a better matchup for her than Julia Shuri, Saya, you know, Utami. You know, like those those kind of names are gonna like really eat Mercedes up. Whereas like Mina and Mercedes is like that's a solid match. You know, that would be Yeah. Yeah. So maybe this is the right move. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, because like she's like in in this match, we didn't talk much. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of got sidetracked just with storyline stuff. I talking about um, in the actual match, you know, it was still it was still the stuff that we liked about Mina being the plucky kind of a plucky underdog baby face. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And she was work, and she was working like you know, she was working you know face in peril, um, you know, trying to get the hot tag to to. Um, to Nagi and then switching off and then she had her had her time trying to get the hot tag. You know, she that's just stuff that we we know she could do well. And um, you know, with Mina, you know, thinking about Mercedes, like that's 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 always a good role for for Mina, just being the plucky underdog baby face fighting underneath and um work from underneath and um because it just had I just I was thinking about it the other day, like um, in terms of this, this kind of her being this factually, it's it might work, but at the same time, like her being a, a, a baby face, um, you know, a baby face, but also just kind of leaning with sex appeal, kind of kind of thing. Um, it kind of works well, and it kind of reminds me of like, in a weird way, Naomi in WWE, and sure, and sure. to a certain extent, Willow. Well, Nightingale and AEW just kind of like people just like like them. Like they're smiley baby faces that um they're they're pretty, so it attracts that 
other element to, you know, people being, I guess, horny on the timeline, but also, um, you know, really being genuine supporters of them in terms of getting into their matches and, and them having good crowd, crowd connection. And I think, I think that's lost with, with her, with this elevation of Mina, you know, just, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this Club Venus thing evolves, but, um, but yeah, like being that underdog baby face, I think that's, it's going away. And it's funny because she actually, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, she actually called, called, um, Mercedes out because it was during, during, um, during Sasha's time when she, it was the first time she walked out on WWE. She went to, she went to Japan and, that's when she was trained with Mako Satamore and the Sendai Girls and, and Dick Togo. Um, she hung out with Mina, and Mina said, "Like, oh, ba- Mina basically said in a tweet that um, it's my dream to. It was always my dream to wrestle with you, but now my dream is to beat you. And that's the stuff nice. that you kind of want. Yeah, yeah. You kind of want you you want your underdog baby face to do, and just laying down." laying down the foundation for that. And I think that's, that will get lost if she becomes this tweener heel leaning faction leader in club Venus. So we'll see. Um, Yeah, no, but that's, no, that's perfect for that. Like plucky baby face, like building up thing. That's perfect. Like, like you said, like I trained with you and you, probably don't even remember me but i i always like i dreamed of just being able to wrestle with you and now that you're here and now that you're in japan i don't want to just wrestle you i want to beat you like that's that's perfect yeah like that yeah amazing but again like i said i just i felt like we were missing or at least i was missing like like kind of missing the um that that drama that whatever but again again maybe that's lost in the translation and i just didn't i didn't see it because i'm not looking up like what they're talking about in the promos but watching it i just was like why is she being like she's trying it felt too much like she was trying to be a baddie she was like trying to pretend like she's a like the heel and that's not what made mina great like you know like i don't think that mina is meant to be a heel either way Follow this matchup with the uh, Goddess of Stardom title number one contender three-way match. We got the Oedo Tai team of uh, Katsuko Toro um, and Ruaka versus the uh, Amy Sorai and Mirai team, which is honestly a really great team that I, I I enjoy but feels kind of thrown together and then the team of um oh god how do you even say I okay Jay how do you say their team uh the my the, hime my hime is how you say it yeah the yeah my myeka and himeka team and I think uh, the first challengers, but feels like they need to win these titles, which just doesn't seem like correct. Because yeah, we'll talk about it when we get to the, the 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 actual tag team title match. But either way, this 
this three-way tag team match I thought was really fucking fantastic. Um, all great teams, insane drama between them. Um, like, yeah, a, a, a three-way tag team match. Like, you think of like Dragon Gate being able to do this kind of stuff, but Stardom can deliver again. Where when it when you need it, you need the characters. We need is the characters that stand out tall, so everyone, no one gets muddled up. You need uh, like insane crispness between the tags and between the story that you're telling, and you need like you know just basic drama because you actually care about what they're fighting for. And this delivered it perfectly. I don't know, Jay. What did you think? Um, thought the same way. Um, I've, I'm really this was up my alley because all these all all three teams they're on the bigger side. So um, to me, when I, when you get the, the Hoss fights in, in stardom, I'm always, I'm always up for it. And um, especially with um, Mikey and the Mecca, I, th- I, th- I think I said it before that they should have been, uh, had a long, really long tag team title run, but it just didn't, didn't happen last year. Um, but yeah, like just work to, um, just work, work my my satisfaction um, in terms of what yeah. um what they what they are um Natsuka, I will say this Natsukatora um has surprised me um she's really coming back from uh, the knee injury she's really worked um a cl- much cleaner style um instead of the style where she was trying to cosplay as Matsumoto. And um, I think it's to the benefit of her now. Um, you know, she still still is sort of the pseudo leader of Oedo Tai, but um, it's much more digestible just to watch her her matches, especially her and Ruaka, than it was before when it was just like, all right, well, we're, we're gonna and we're gonna be in this match for like three minutes, and then we're gonna have to hit the DQ, or whatever. You know, it's much better matches with those two doing what they're doing now. Yeah, no, this is really just, I don't, I don't, I won't say like the best possible situation for everyone involved or whatever, but like definitely like really seeing, um, really seeing like a uh a, a really fantastic expression of the two um or uh, i don't know but like the the pairing is done really well with them and obviously um uh i'm sorry jay i forgot what you said micah and Hameka, the the team uh, my hime my hime is the way to say mm-hmm. it. like that that team is built up so well again We'll talk about it when the when the tag title match happens. But like, I want my Hime to win the titles, but I don't think that it makes sense for Seven Up to lose the titles on their first defense. But either way, that's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about now Carrie versus uh, Utami Hayashishida. Um. Okay, I I heard someone refer to. Utami as the handsome prince of stardom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that 
I've is heard that, I've heard that before, yeah. Is that Utami's nickname? Not officially, no, but it's but I guess it's moving around. It's coming. I have to give credit yeah. to Tom Lawler because I think that's who I heard say it. Um Okay. I absolutely love Utami already. I've been a huge fan of Utami, but this like idea that after she tagged with uh, uh, Tanahashi, she's realized that she's actually a handsome prince. It makes a lot of sense because he's also a <laughs> handsome prince, and they yeah. were so they were like so birds of a feather, right? Um, this match was phenomenal. Like Utami and Kari was, I mean. What are you looking for? Like beyond this, what do you want? But like v- brutality, violence. I didn't really get the um the ring fan, the young boy who stopped Kari from hitting the uh, trident into the corner spot because it. I didn't feel oh, like it built my, up. My yeah, my Amasaki. Yeah, um, what was what was that about? Okay, so it's funny because before I watched uh, Dream Queendom, I happened to watch the flashing, rewatch the flashing champions pay review, and that had Kari and Tam as the White Knights um, taking on uh, Utami and Mai Amasaki, and, and that match um, it ended with you know. You know, um, you know, Kari beating uh, Kari beating Amasaki, and after the match, he cuts a promo on on Amasaki. Basically, you know, you know, kind of, kind of seemed like you know, does it hurt? You know, this is how you're supposed to feel um, after losing. You're supposed to take this and and build. You're supposed to take this and, and harness it and build it and and come back stronger. You know, from your losses. And, um, and then Tommy was going to challenge her and, and just, at the time she turned it down and says, you know, you got to protect your junior, which she was referring to Amasaki, you know, you get, you got to protect your junior before coming at me. And then you fast forward to now with, with, um, Kyrie being the IWGP champion. Um, it totally made sense, but if you had to, have, yeah. if that's the thing you had to have, had that on your mind, that tag match on your mind, um, coming into it for it to make sense. So oh, when, yeah. when, 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 you know, Amazaki just, just came in and, and stopped right in front of her, I, I popped for it. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I could, uh, I could understand where people, people didn't get it. Um, if, if it wasn't, if that, did, if I didn't watch it, if I didn't rewatch the Flashing Championship review, I wouldn't have got it. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought of it. But it was just so happened. I saw that. Saw that. Pay, rewatched that pay review the day. The day of of yes. Dream Queendom, and it totally clicked for me. So, yeah. what did you um, think of this match? Yeah. Because because it felt like it was worked. It was not worked like a time limit match from the beginning. No, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And I have to give them a lot of credit, especially for Kari at this point. But obviously, Utami, Utami is kind of 
No, it's interesting because I, I, I've heard people talk about it like, oh, this is like Kari, you know, time limit thing is becoming like a Kari thing. But like, to me, I'm like, it's a new Utami thing. I feel like a time limit, time limit matches is like more current Utami than it is Kari. But I don't know. What did you think about You're that? right. Because, yeah. 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 It felt like, like Utami was like in her element here and Kari was like having to like deal with or work to that level. Um, I absolutely enjoyed it, but what did you think of the match? Um, I enjoyed it as well. I gave it four stars. Um, I thought it was a really good match. Um, because when I watched it, um, um, I watched part of it live, and then I tried to, the other part I watched um, unspoiled. I just avoided Twitter throughout the whole day. Um, but, you know, this match I, I watched live, and... Um, yeah, I almost bit when um, when Utami had her in the choke, and you know, ref- the referee Daichi was uh, holding up her arm, doing you know the three, you know the three three times your arm goes down and whatnot, and I, I thought she was just gonna gonna go down because um, it would have been interesting because you know Russell Kingdom's coming around, you know Russell Kingdom's coming around the corner, she has to defend the title against against Tam, um, but. You know, it would be ballsy for her to lose, um, but I guess to set up a, a, another championship match against Tommy, that's would be a, okay. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I really, really like this match, and for me, it's even buying to um, for for Otami to take her basically into deep waters. Um, they're really good together. Really, I you know, and that's the thing I saw in the tag match. Uh, almost six months before that they had really good chemistry and um it's a shame because probably at, at battle of the battle of the valley at san jose um you know Kari might tr- drop the belt to mercedes but um if she doesn't and defends the title i really want to see her versus utami um yeah. For, yeah. for the iwgp title i think that match would rock um, cause that, that's the thing with those matches compared to the, the, the world of stardom championship world of stardom is 30 minutes. This, this is IWGP championship is 60 minutes. Um, not saying they would go 60 minutes, but just for them to, if you, you've gave them instead of 15 minutes an extra, the extra time to, to pace out and do more and still work at that pace, but just pace out and do a little bit more. I think they would have a fantastic match. Um, I'm just wondering if she'll have the title by then, if she, when she faces Utami. Because <sighs> I don't think Utami's going to... Yeah. Yeah. I don't think... Yeah. It, well, well, we'll see, because um, Storm's running Yokohama Arena in, uh, in March. I mean, not March, in April. Have we talked about that or no? Um, no, no, no. No, we haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Because that yeah. happened earlier in the show. The yeah, they're running they're Yokohama Arena. Yeah. yeah, they're doing Yokohama Arena. It's the 30th anniversary of uh, All Japan Women's All-Star Dream Slam 1. Um, so you have, you have that and... Um, to sell that, I don't know if you run if if Kari survives Mercedes, do you run Utami versus Kyrie, or do you take the chance and 
or, or take the chance and save Utami for Julia because that is the most protected match in Stardom that, history uh, right now. That should be the main event. Like <laughs> we talked about, like we were talking about earlier, like people who can, you know, actually work. When you want to have, like, if you want to have the big time main event. I think Utami and Julia is, that is like the, you know, when they say like every, all of this stuff is wrestling, but the main event is real, <laughs> you know, you can do everything else. But when you have Julia and Utami, that's going to feel like a shoot fight. Like they're going to kill each other, you know? So yeah. I would definitely put that as the main event on the big show and then have Mercedes underneath, you know, having fun with Kari or whatever. Like that would be, you know, draw the crowd on that and then have the main event like really suck them in. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I'm, you know, it's going to be, there's, there's sure. a lot of shows coming up. <laughs> sure, there's <laughs> a lot there. Them, but, yeah, to build up yeah. there. And that's not necessarily even the biggest show. Um, right, right. Art, Artist of Stardom title. Hardcore match, um, Oedo Tai versus uh, Prominence. Um, Oedo Tai come out looking like a million bucks. Their vibe is really on point, you know, like it's so, so good. Um, but the Prominence team, absolutely fucking just incredible violent Risa Sarah looks amazing Suzu Suzuki obviously we've talked about it to the end of the earth how amazing she is um yeah this is insane within the first couple seconds the bike the bike spot okay so I heard someone talking about the bike spot and saying like if you're the first person who gets hit with the bike that's the worst and everyone else you're fine that would maybe be true if it, if it was smooth, but if you watch the way that the spot goes, she bumps up, pops over, and then hits the last person. So really, the only person who got like okay out of it was the person in the middle, which was Risa Sarah. It just happened to be Risa yeah. Sarah yeah. because yeah. she like hit the first person, popped up, and then slammed down on the second person. Like I just I thought that was very funny. There was something else I was going to say earlier. I wanted to call somebody out for some dumb shit, but I forgot. Jay, you make me a better person because I'm just I'm grinding axes and I'm being the way that I am where I just call everybody out for dumb shit that they say. But you you soothe me and you make me not call everybody out. Either way, um, this was chaotic, crazy. It was nuts. But like, I really did love the the mix of it being like. Oh, and Otai being the cosplayers and prominence being the the, the legit shit, the real fucking deathmatch yeah. bullies, and I loved it. Um, this a lot of people are super high on Risa Sarah, and I'm kind of like I like her. This was kind of the match where I was like, yeah, I get it. Risa Sarah fucking rules. Um, but yeah, but Jay, what did you think? Uh, yeah, it was super fun. Um. It almost had like a rhythm to it of like the old um, WWF hardcore title matches in a way, but in a tag team format, just um, 
you know, mixing some of the goofy, goofy stuff, like the, like the bicycle stuff that, um, like immediately when Starlight Kid came out with the bike, it was like, all right, she's making fun of Suzu, you know, cause Suzu's name's Bell Bell. <laughs> so, um, and then like, you know, Suzu, I think, um, an ice ribbon, the story goes, um, you know, before she debuted, she got hit with a bike or something like that. So, um, when she debuted, she had, you know, she, she debuted with a bike and that was part of like her gimmick. And, um, she came, she instantly became a meme on social media, um, before she become the deathmatch, you know, deathmatch hardcore yeah. crazy girl that she is now. But, um, I thought it was hilarious that Starlight Kid brought the, the bike back and, you know, ring, ring and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. But yeah, like, but um, I thought the the this I thought the this the person that popped me the most was Momo Watanabe throughout the match. You know, you know, coming out with the baseball bat, having that broken, then coming out with the barbed wire baseball bat, and then later in the match, like she timed it really perfectly, trying to, you know, um, it was like a it was a cover, and then it was like one, two, and then bang, she hit someone with the tra- with a trash can. It was just like certain certain beats um certain beats like you see in, in hardcore matches that are done for comedic effect that i thought she really um did well throughout this match so um that was my mvp yeah. of the the hardcore match momo watanabe yeah she was great she really did kind of like bridge the divide between the two teams when it came like to being like you know stardom and being hardcore she was like kind of in between, yeah. which I thought she did really well. Like, because Sasaki, like, or Sake Kashima was like very, like, she was like not around and she hit a couple of like doing her roll up spots and stuff. And like the crowd was really into it, obviously, because like it's been built up. But otherwise, when it got to like getting brutal, I would love to see a lot more of Starlight Kid in these kind of contexts because. You know, with the connection to Despy, I think that her working JTO and like getting into the Deathmatch. Could you imagine like doing a Starlight and June Kasai match? I don't know. We could get there someday. I hope so. I hope we can get there someday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Know, I hope but, so too. <laughs> but you get my point where Momo is kind of more like bringing the the authentic Deathmatch side for Oto Tai. And like that's the that's the thing where it's like Oda ties the cosplayers and prominence is the 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 real shit. Um, there's like yeah, a good violence, aggression. And it was a lot of fun, and it was it was done super smooth. Like you transition between the two teams, and and the title change I thought was great because prominence like I don't know like if Stardom was smart we i talked about this on the last episode with quentin we're talking about suzu suzuki where she's just so crisp and so good at everything she does that like they should have her under contract but you know japan is different than america and like being a freelancer is a real thing in japan as opposed to america but like yeah like suzu should definitely be signed and and the goddess of stardom tag team champions now or no the artist of stardom champions now should be um under contract because they're all phenomenal but all of prominence should be like a major part of stardom it's crazy to think that like iwgp stardom new japan all this you've got 
Mercedes Monet, and you've also got this, where they're building the insane, the insane chair triangle on the outside. Just never felt like it like delivered anything other than like random spots that we didn't catch on camera. Did you notice that as well? Yeah, yeah, I did notice that. That, that the, was weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but... yeah. Usually, usually, Starn's production, whoever does the, I know, I heard there's like a production, um, team assigned to to them whenever. Because I, I know Samurai TV does most of, like, they kind of have, like, this monopoly on, like, Japanese wrestling right. in terms of, like, production stuff. Like, they handle a lot of, uh, you know, DDT and all, and, um, you know, JTO and, I mean, not, well, not JTO, but, um, uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro. And they still do New Japan stuff. They still do New Japan stuff on Samurai and All Japan and, and you know, now Stardom. So, um, they're usually good with that, just doing, just catching that stuff, and they just they missed a lot of that during this match. So, yeah, they were they were missing a ton of the outside stuff, but at the same time, it felt like chaotic, violent, crazy. I love that they figured out how to break the tables in Japan with the the pile driver is like the trick, um, because it's just all of the you know condensed weight, and they move it through it. They did it here, um, but yeah, the 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 Saki taking just brutal, <laughs> brutal fucking punishment from Suzuki was perfect, and and yeah, the, the fire thunder driver to yeah. the table, yeah, 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 that was great, and just yeah, moving, moving through it. This is aggressive, violent, and like I said, just just uh, done super well. The title change I thought was great. Um, speaking of great title changes, the next match. The um, goddesses of stardom titles, Meltier taking on Seven Up. We've talked about this. Um, I absolutely love this match. I really liked the idea of where they're going. Hopefully, moving forward, Meltier having to like have this incredible, insane, violent, like beasts team to have to overcome is like a really good you know, moving forward spot from here. But like, this is the thing. I think that we get kind of caught up when we want, or at least me personally, I get kind of caught up and I want like long title reigns, but this is like a perfect thing. Cause Meltier really was feeling like they were like losing anything to do any focus. Like what do they, you know, where do they go from here kind of thing. It was like feeling, so them losing the title, I thought was perfect here. I thought this match was great. They did the T gimmick, so, you know, shout out to uh, uh, Johnny Ken, to the Backstreet Boys, basically, I should say. <laughs> um, You know, but yeah, they do the T gimmick, they, you know, they win the match. The fucking, the last ride was insanely brutal. Um, I, This is a weird thing. My I I don't know if I've ever said this, but I I love Natsapoy. I think she's great. My um uncle in law, I guess I should say, it was the person who drew Tinkerbell. Um, Whoa. passed away a couple of years ago. He's a great guy. Oh wow. Yeah, but uh, but so I kind of relate to the uh the fairy princess Natsapoy in this weird way because I knew the person who drew Tinkerbell. You know, whatever doesn't matter, but wow. uh, yeah, but uh, but you know, like I love this because now Meltier has something to to do and to overcome, 
right? Something to 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 build towards with seven up, and they can continue to have, they can defend the titles again against uh, uh, Micah and Hameka, which is a great team. And that's why I was saying earlier that I think it's a bummer because I think Micah and Mecca should win the the goddesses of of stardom titles, but this still feels like this is Meltier's story, and they need to build back and win these titles here. Um, that said, this match was fucking amazing. I loved I loved this so much. Um, Jay, what did you think? Um, I I loved it too. Um, you know me, I'm a I'm big Nanai Takahashi fan. Um, will always be, and it just adds to, to me, that adds to the legacy of the night. And um, best believe, GWE, she's gonna be in my top one hundred. Like it's no doubt. Like this, this new, this, this stardom run has really made me go like, all right, she's she's all time great in ring worker. Um, not you know, she's I wouldn't put her in like an observer hall of fame type thing, but um she's to me she's like like a fit finley like a i don't know like like regal type um just like a great in-ring worker and i think a lot of people just haven't discovered her career but um but yeah just watching this match you know she's a lot older now but um you know just how you know for for working this match i thought she was really really did really well, but also you, it was the star of the match, just um just being brutal against Nats Boy. Um, you know, just no selling yeah. the stuff and then at the end with that, you know, the finishy sequence and um that last ride, like you said, was brutal. But um and um recently it was I think it's like her sixth anniversary, um you's sixth anniversary because I saw her tweet about it and she showed a picture of what she was in Tokyo Jushi Pro and what she is now, she is a she is a complete hoss. Like she yeah. has transformed her body and and it somehow gotten taller um <laughs> um throughout all this. So um but yeah, like you said with the, the Meltier with this story, you know, um it was weird because around this time they released their single. Um so you thought they, I thought they were just getting a push. Like I didn't think they would drop the belt at all. Like I, I was totally surprised by um, Seven Up winning here, and like they even did um, in Tokyo Sports, they ran a thing where they met up with uh, Maki Ueda at her restaurant or her her husband's restaurant. Um, you know, if you don't know Maki Ueda, she's part of the legendary tag team the beauty pair um because jackie Sato she passed away years ago um so basically they're kind of running this thing yeah. in the press um you know kind of um <laughs> Jesus. That, like they, yeah. basically, basically maki kind of like guiding meltier no. and um i haven't watched i haven't watched the triangle derby thing yet triangle derby pay-per-view yet but um because after this, Maki Ueda came to the Triangle Derby show. Um, because you know, after after this after this match, um, the press like the press conference, you know, press conference area, Tam kind of walked down on Natsupoy. and uh, you fast forward to the third, the Triangle Derby. Um, 
you know, they, you know, um, it was Tam, Natsupoy, and Saki. They're the, they're the trio's team, and they do what they do. Um, after the match, um, she actually comes and talks to them um, during the in the press area, um, kind of basically trying to trying to be like like a like a Arnold Scotland or a Jose Lothario type, just trying to be, be their mentor. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like it's it it's definitely like you, like you said, there's definitely more to the story from Meltier. So. Um, but after the match, you know, my Hemi comes out and Mike and Emeka, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's because, um, yeah, like I could see my Hemi taking the belts from seven up and facing Meltier at, at Yokohama, but, um, you know, seven ups really, really good. Yeah. They've been really good throughout tag, throughout tag league. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just ready for them to get get them to have the rematch, because um, they in I tag league they had a really good match. Yeah, to me that's the story that makes sense is that Meltier has to overcome Seven Up. Like that's the the bigger story. Like that's why I think it's like annoying that that Micah and Emeka are getting the first title shot because they I think that they could win the titles down the line. And like actually mm-hmm. make something from that, but but the Meltier story is barely starting. You're talking about the beauty pair getting involved, like, and it's not it's not wrong. Like Meltier could be kind of an update of the beauty pair. They're releasing a single, and and Tam has the history as an idol, and and Natsupoy, you know, is is you know she's very cute, and she's got that whole vibe. I like I said with the Tinkerbell stuff, she's. The fairy thing is it works really well for her. So yeah, it's just like that's too perfect. And and Micah Hanamaka just unfortunately it's not their time. And I hope we get there at some point because that's a that's a great tag team. But either way, continuing to move on. Wonder of stardom, the white belt, the this is the you know, the confusing no one can understand the differences between the colors, I guess. It's it's you know, even though the titles have names, um Saya Kamatani taking on uh was it Haruka Umusaka? Umasaki, yep. Umasaki. Um okay. Here's my thing. I love Saya Kamatani. Tall Saya is like I I really do think that she's great. Um she wrestles so trepidatious at sometimes and this is like a really bad example of it this match is like just she does not extend her full body she's constantly it feels like she's constantly second guessing herself and not like again delivering full extension from all of her limbs and and that's where i get really scared and where i'm just like awkward and just uh, like get worried that she's gonna fuck people up and she's gonna do like the Mina thing where she broke her face open where it's just like it's awkward it's it's not she's not comfortable because she's like stopping herself and and it's it's really hard to blame her for this because how many times does she wrestle people that are her size she's so tall and she's so long and she's so lanky that like she probably has to like kind of hold herself back 
from wrestling at her full extent. And this is like, I was talking with Evan earlier tonight about like, you know, DDT and Naya and like big wrestlers who, who are like not comfortable with themselves. And you have to like really get comfortable on wrestling big. And unfortunately, Saya is just like, she's so skinny, but she's long and she doesn't mm-hmm. wrestle like she's comfortable with her body because she's always trying to like stop herself from hurting herself. I watched, um, Matt Tremont in the no rope barbed wire match with uh, Sawyer Rex, who Sawyer Rex and I think Saya are probably like probably close to the same size. If Sawyer Rex is not yeah. taller, and like yeah. Sawyer Rex does the same thing where she like stops herself from like wrestling to the extent of her body and like really like doing full extension on everything and following through with her strikes because. She's not used to wrestling people her size, unfortunately. And as a woman at that size, it's like, it's not fair. You know, as a guy that size, maybe you can do like the full extension and your stuff can look good. But it's just, it's so awkward and it's so unfortunate for that. This match itself was like really good. And I love Saya and I think she's really good. But I think a lot of the hate for Saya comes from that is that like, she never can really follow through with everything she does because she's always like, slightly awkward because she can't she's not wrestling people her size and it like really in it's like really inhibits her ability to like do the full extension and make her shit look as good as it really can look um but jay what do you think um yeah i agree um well the thing about this match is and i i tweeted this when i was watching um watching this was um there was a spot where she she did like um almost like a almost like a snapmare from the top rope with Umasaki. Umasaki land her back landed um at an awkward angle on on the ring apron, almost like Shawn Michaels Royal Rumble um what was it, ninety eight? Great was Royal Rumble ninety eight or ninety seven where he, um, he was facing the Undertaker in that casket match, and just it was like a weird that weird bump where he took the where he, his like the edge of, like the the edge of the casket hit his back and just messed it up for the rest of his career. Like that looked that looked like that um, Umasaki's bump, and um, it was like Saya was trying to follow up and do like another another snap mirror like a flipping slap mare and Umasaki just wouldn't bump for her. And throughout the rest of the match, I could tell like Umasaki is fucked up. Like she's not, <laughs> she's, she's not right. And she gutted through it, which was um to me, it was a hell of, hell of a job for, by her. But I just, I had that feeling like, Oh no, like she's, she's not right. And I talk with people that were actually there like in the bill and they kind of felt the same way like it, seeing that bump um it was just like like that that was the thing that stuck out to me um because the the way that you know Umbasaki you know basically semi main event the Sumo Hall show came out of left field um she's been part of the new blood um shows but she's she's been doing it as this weird gimmick called karma um so it's totally different from what the Stardom fans are used to, so this came out of left field in the first place. Um, just kind of a weird, weird, like, <laughs> coming to, 
weird series of events for for Saya to be in, and it just everything was just kind of against her. Um, they they made it work, but you know, I've seen people said like it was a it was a really good match, and Uwasaki, you know, proved it. But I I don't know, it just wasn't. It was fine. Um, but I just just seeing that back bump, it just kind of took me out of it, and because I was yeah. more worried about her throughout the match, and I could tell like her back was you know back was hurting because that's something I kind of pick up. You know, if anybody yeah. knows like you mess up your back you kind of feel it when you see someone mess up their back you know so um that was that was the thing for me um it was a fine match it was it was okay but um far from what um i've enjoyed with saya um and going forward you know she called out mina which um which should be the obvious yeah yeah Mina came out, which should be the obvious um, next challenger, but it's not. Um, it's going to be Ami Saray, which um, it reminded me of like the last time they faced off. It wasn't a good match at the Five Star Grand Prix, so uh, we'll see. I mean, Ami's still improving. You know, Ami's the future Storm champion, so she's really young, but um, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah. I see people, a lot of people saying my Sakurai should already have won the title from Saya, which I think is like weird, random thing. I just, I don't understand why that's, you know, continually being referenced. Oh, I'm sorry. I was in the, um, so I will just say this is, I don't know why I need to, am I acting like this is like a, a new thing that people don't know? I, I wear wireless headphones and I go to the bathroom at times. <laughs> you know, I go pee during the the podcast. When you were talking about uh, the Shawn Michaels back thing, this was uh, 1996 Mind Games, uh, Mankind, and Shawn Michaels, and that was the the match where Shawn took the bump on the casket. Um, and that's um, the, that's the back match that what you're talking about. Um. I thought it was the Undertaker match. Oh no, 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 no! It's the, it was the Undertaker came out post match. That's why the casket was there. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. But it was it was okay. It was Mick uh, and Sean. It was at Mind Games, and that was when he took the crazy bump on the casket. But uh, either way, main event: Julia Shuri, thirty minutes, near thirty minutes. Um, we talked about Julia and the aggressiveness that she brings, you know, this is kind of, kind of, I think the height of what you want for a Shuri match for this title reign, but also kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this, but I don't necessarily think that it was the best, you know, Shuri match of her, her, her title reign. Um, that's agreed. Agreed. Like Shuri is, interesting in a certain way it's i think some of it has to do with her face her face is just she's like the ar fox school of selling she has like one face (laughs) you know like that's that's i have to give credit to alicia my wife there because she's a big fan of ar fox but she says like the ar fox school of facial selling he has one face and that's all she all all he does and sherry kind of is the same way um that said like you know the rest of her her 
stuff is great. And and you would think that Julia would, you know, be able to step it up. And she did in a lot of ways, but just not necessarily, you know, what you want, which is like she has to bring all of the drama and it's not quite there, but she does definitely match the violence, <laughs> you know, the intensity and the violence. And that's why I say something like a Mercedes versus Shuri or versus Julia match is scary because Julia is not going to step down. She's not going to step back. Um, this is great. And I could definitely see people talking about this in their match of the year conversation. Uh, when you're talking about just like aggressiveness, the length, the, like the, the drama and the way that you end up with it. But like I said, I don't know if I'm going to like absolutely lose my mind for it. Um, but the execution is good, but I just did not get the personally. I was not like super like intensely, you know, into it. I like the like, tr you know, hitting the 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 finishers doing the, you know, Donna Del Mondo history thing or whatever. But like, I don't know that stuff to me. A lot of times that stuff just feels overwrought and like it's like mm -hmm. really overdoing it. But I don't know. Jay, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I told you before I finished I finished rewatching the match because at the time when I was I was watching it, I was kind of like half asleep, so I was like, ah, I'll, I'll watch it again. And I came across like this was a great match, but I have, almost had the same feeling like it didn't it didn't click. It didn't, I won't say it, it not saying it clicked for me, but like it just didn't push it to. You know, this is this is the one of the best matches of the year. Um because I still I don't know, I still think that Kari Mai match from Store Crossover is probably the best technical star technically stardom match of the yeah. year. I still have it as my my match of the year in terms of stardom matches. But um in terms of Shuri and, and Ju Julia, like um just even watching on our watching or rewatch like um i know people people were talking about you know people online were talking about oh my gosh like um the tiger lily sequence and um and then you have the don del mondo finisher sequence and it just like it doesn't really even on rewatch it doesn't it doesn't pop up like it doesn't um look for me like automatically click in my mind oh my gosh like she's doing the tiger lily sequence to 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 pay homage to anna or she's doing the running powerbomb for for because um himeka you know with that story of her getting knocked out by the running running powerbomb and then doing doing micah's um finisher and then trying to do series finisher and then trying to do um you know um do the Northern Lights bomb, you know, pay tribute to Akira Hokuto, and then you got to do the wrist clutch Northern Lights bomb. Yeah. Like, I think it was just a little bit too much because I remember thinking of, like, think, finish, remember finishing it the first time. I was like, this was a lot. This was a lot to digest. I got to watch this again. And then on rewatch, I was just like, no, like, it's, it's a great match, but it's just like, yeah. it's, it might be too much in that, in terms of that finisher finisher sequence and, and just the pacing of it it's like i said before she's julia's 
kind of a relentless pace. Um, you know, I will say the the you know the you know the capture suplex into the chairs. I'll, I'll always remember that. Like that's like that, and then <laughs> watching the other night, um, you know, Cano doing the the, fal- the falcon yeah. arrow almost Jesus. almost killing <laughs> me. Oh my god! <laughs> you know that those two spots I'll always remember from <laughs> from this year. Technically, uh, this calendar this calendar year, but yeah, so far, um, yeah, so far, but um, and also, oh, the crazy shit that um, Will and Kenny were doing, um, but that's for another day. Um, but yeah, like, like that sticks out, and maybe that's maybe that's me being moves guy or whatever. Um, but just in terms of, I don't know. I think it would just it should have been paced out a little bit better. Um, still a great match, but I think it was just too much towards the end. Yeah, and I yeah. think if you're, if you're, I won't say I'm not fully invested because I, I, I am. I've, you know, I've seen, I've basically seen, you know, Julia's whole career. I'm, a, I'm I know I'm not the biggest Iceman watcher, but. You know, I watched her when she watched her here and there when she was in ice room and I always thought she was going to be a big star. Um, always thought she had the talent, but, you know, you know, I'm, I'm proud of her coming to this point where she's she is not the wrestler that she once was um, years ago. But at the same time, um, I think I think it's as time goes on, I think she'll get better. In terms of just letting, and, and part of it is hopefully with these clap crowds going away, um, hopefully she'll learn how to let stuff breathe in between. Yeah. Um, so, and that's, but that, but overall, great match. Um, Siri really put her over um, because, you know, Siri is built up as this monster uh, throughout, throughout the year. And, yeah, hopefully Julia with the with this year coming up, she's poised to have a a big year. You know, with other the Suzu next month. Uh, Mayuiki is coming into the promotion. She's already at the Triangle Derby pay per view. Um, she's kind of angling for that, so it's another another person from Ice Ribbon from her past where she's going to defend the title. We already talked about Tommy. Um, she could also defend it against her her unit mates in and uh Mike and Mecca. You know, Mike and Mecca have gotten title shot red belt title shots in, in the past. Um we'll see. You know, there's 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 a bunch of you know, and then there's Mayu, Mayu Itani, because um throughout this year they've gone through time limit draws, her and yeah. her and Julia, so She's got a lot of. She's already got like six people she could defend the title. She already got six defenses lined up. So, um, that's that's good booking, you know. For much as Rossi Ogawa gets gets a lot of a lot of criticism, and some of it's rightfully so, um, he did a good job with with Julia from 2019 holding off because everybody kind of knew like. Yeah, she was gonna be the big star, and no, yeah, it felt like inevitable. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to hold it off to 
basically almost still one of the last days of 2022. You're going into 2023 to hold it off. Um, basically three years, basically build up to three years. It's like just looking at other promotions, like, you know, Gato didn't do that with Okada. Yeah. You know, he didn't, no, he didn't do sure. that. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't do that with Okada. Um, you know, Vince, um, when he was in power, he didn't do that with Roman Reigns. We'll see what Triple H does with whoever it's, whoever's next coming up with, I don't know who, who's next going to be for Triple H's uh, vision for the top guy. I don't know. Um, you know, even dating back to, you know, when Hogan got into <laughs> WWF, they didn't waste any time with him. So, right. um, you know, but you look kind of look at the landscape of like who's the top champion, like um, around wrestling right now. Like, um, I was thinking about this the other day, like whether it's Roman with the lack of in-ring stuff that people can hang their hat on or it's Okada with kind of people being like, all right, we're we've seen this over and over again right. or, you know, Kento Miyahara, the same thing, or, um, you know, MGF, you know, we know we've talked about it before that he's a good worker in the, in the ring, but I don't think he can kind of gets that reputation. He's more for Mike guy. Um, when you look around the landscape, you know, L Lindemann for Glee, he's, he's a great worker. Um, but I don't think a lot of people flock and watch his matches, even though he's really, really good. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other, you know, Josh Alexander, just the top champions. I think Julia has everything. Yeah. You know, she has the presence and ring work. Um, when the promos are translated, she's a really good promo. Um, I really do think she's kind of, to have the most well-rounded year for a top champion um just we'll just see what happens and hopefully the matches deliver and um it'd be just see, interesting to see if people will recognize her um because you know utami's picked up steam when she was red belt champion shuri did as well um you know being on the cover of pwi um you know, that's kind of crazy that Stardom on the, a Stardom wrestler on the cover of American Magazine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now with Julia, I think the only person that's close to her, ironically, is Bianca Belair. <laughs> In terms of, like, being all-around, uh, well-rounded wrestler. Um, and even with her, she doesn't Jeez. get the amount of mic time, you know. Yeah. So, I think... Julia could be, it's just a matter of, <laughs> will people look at a, a woman as like a, like a quote unquote wrestler of the year candidate coming right. in, in 2023? I mean, yeah, it's getting harder and harder to deny it. I mean, 2023 could be the year of Julia and the Flair Thez argument. It's like, yeah, we'll end up in a point where she probably will really deserve it. Um, and as you said, it's like, will people give a woman that that title? Um, 
There's a ton of shit as you were talking there that I meant to bring up, but I just I've lost everything at this point, and it's just it's, oh probably I mean, probably a Gucci probably a no, Gucci no no, no, no we already talked about that I mean we could talk oh. about Gucci but I think maybe the top no I just meant like uh, just little points on what you're talking about there but yeah like I agree with everything you're saying there Julia in 2023 should definitely be in the conversation I think the um the biggest thing that I want to talk about before we leave but I just want to you know. You know, before we finish talking about wrestling, I guess. Um, I don't know if you have anything else you want to hit on that when it comes to like wrestling stuff. Before the last thing I wanted to ask you about, um, I don't know anything else, Jay, or what do you think? No, that's basically right. it. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, I agree with you there, Julia. Twenty twenty three. We'll see how the year goes, but I definitely agree with you that like she's poised to break out and. It would be it would make a lot of sense for Julia to be the first like woman to win the first woman to Joshi to win Flareth's. Um but I just wanted to say before we finish it out, and I think that you're maybe somewhat someone to talk to about this, you know, we don't I don't have Quentin here talking about hip hop, but the passing of Gangster Boo is fucking crazy, right? Like it just Yeah, yeah. Like all time legendary, you know hall of famer of hip-hop like i think when we were talking about we were talking about women's voices in hip-hop recently when we were talking about trina on the podcast and i think gangster boo came up when you talk about like the mount rushmore of of female rappers female lyricists in in the game gangster boo was in that conversation it was out of fucking nowhere it felt like she was coming back into the scene. I was hearing grumblings of like the Trillbillies guys were gonna were working with her to like make a podcast of her own. It's fucking crazy, but like, yeah, like Jay, you agree? Like, like, Gangster Boo, like when it comes to rap in general, but especially like female, you know, MCs, like Jesus Christ, just like on the next level. Weirdly, I think that like her most mainstream hit is probably the biggest thing that people know is chicken heads. But that song is like transcends. Like that's an all time. Everyone knows that fucking track, right? Yeah. 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 yeah that, you know, like, yeah, but your thoughts and then we'll head out. No, no, it was, it was kind of crazy. Cause like the story, like they found her on a porch. Like, yeah, it was kind of, kind of wild. Um, yeah, like she for southern hip hop, um, she's she's right up there. Um and it's it's weird because um ironic because I was somehow watching um the BT like Chronicles of No Limit, the No Limit Soldiers story, and I it just reminded me of Mia X and like how she was probably the best rapper on No Limit. Um, like, and, and it got me reminding me of her and Gangsta Boo. So, um, and this was like two weeks ago. I just started, started thinking about it myself. So, um, yeah, like it was, it was kind of, kind of shocking when I heard about it. Um, but yeah, in terms of female, in terms of female MCs in the South, because, um, I think, just rap in general, I think in terms of female rappers, um, you know, obviously they'll talk about um Queen Latifah and Lauren Hill and and you know, Foxy and Nikki and and even Eve. 
Um, but yeah, like, um, in terms of people that are kind of like underrated, but have their respect, yeah, Gangsta Boo's right up there. Yeah. It's a, a major hit, a major, like I said, someone who, who definitely needs to be talked about. I think 3-6 Mafia in general gets overlooked for just how they kind of bridge that gap between definitely two different cultures and Gangsta Boo in that conversation as a member of 3-6 Mafia for someone who like was like that 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 transition man like the you know there's like bridging the old school and the new school having like a different of different style of flow and and all that but uh either way jay thank you for yeah. joining in evan earlier uh, earlier on the podcast coming in obviously follow the podcast network at uh we don't know wrestling follow the ko-fi all that stuff follow jay at the the, the jml follow me at uh roh dutch um follow the podcast at uh we don't know wrestling podcast network whatever it is Face, I'm fiending to increase my high. Eyeballs is.